go ahead and say hey to the friend so we can start talking. <laughs> just kidding. Like I got stuck. Go ahead and say, say hey. Go ahead and say hey. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Kate. Welcome <laughs> to Book Talks with Kate on the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. So we are finishing up the A Court of Thorn and Roses podcast with A Court of Silver Flames, my favorite of the five that are currently in existence, and we have a lot to say. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I just got out of the car. Let's just sum this up by saying I just finished listening to it again. I just sat in the car for 20 minutes outside of Rachel's house, listening to it on like 2.8 because... The last fifteen chap, the last part, yeah, is all of the action. We get a lot that happens in the book, so I'm not going to let you say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's not all the action; it's all the plot related action, right? Everything yeah. that's really pushing our story forward yes. yeah. happens. Like she likes to do in the last quarter of yeah. the book. She's like, oh, shit, I got to wrap this up. Yeah, but just to give all of our four listeners an <laughs> idea, if you haven't read this book, this is basically a fitness journey. Yeah, <laughs> A is. mental health, mental wellness, and fitness journey where a, a woman who is bitter and in a lot of pain finds her fitness mate, and we get a lot of... A lot of story. We do, yeah. And it's packed. I never... This book for me, I didn't have a lot of lulls in it. I enjoy listening to almost every section of this book. It's good. It's good because it's what Sarah J. Mast does best. Which is character. Just character-driven story. Yeah. And Nesta is a treat. I'm glad we got this from her point of view, which is actually not first person. Vera is first person. Right. But Nesta is third person limited. Yep. Correct. And I don't even think about that when I'm reading it. I'm just like, I love this so much. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. I just thought it was interesting that she chose to, her first book is in first person. Right. Her second book's in first person. Third book's in first person. And then when we switch point of views, instead of actually switching to another first person point of view, we switch to a third person limited point of view. It's never in first person? Nope. There's no eyes. It's Nesta does this, Nesta does that. And then when we switch to Cassian's point of view, it's Cassian does this. Cassian mm. does that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if she decided somewhere along the line in her process, I like writing like this better. I think I'm better at writing this. Yeah. It's possible. What do you think as a person who's a little bit more analytical in that way? I think it may have been hard for her to write from Nesta's voice because so we're she, getting what Nesta's thinking. He, 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 he. 
Chapter 55 is Oh, right. chapter 55 is me. She's chapter 55. I'm chapter 55. Oh, my gosh. Matt brought us tea. Thank or, you so much. Thank you. Um, <laughs> describe what we're drinking out of, please. Um, I got Kate some Etsy, which I'll have to link the shop, the Etsy yeah, shop that I bought should, these off of. But sure. we got some. I got the Surreal Tea Company, uh, the hottest tea ever spilled in Prithian. And then this one is, and they're clear and they're really cute. Has a little skull reading a book and it says chapter 55 because we all know <laughs> what chapter 55 is. That's in reference to in A Court of Mist and Fury when, um, and I'm actually a chapter 54 girl. I love the vulnerability, the complete honesty, Reese opening up, them coming to terms with being mates, him being so soft and gentle. But 55 is the first, like, go-to-it spicy yeah. scene. <laughs> You'll hear people that are of the fandom reference chapter 55 a lot. So now you have your own. I want to license plate this as chapter 55. <laughs> and it's like, if you know, you know. You yeah. know? Yes. <laughs> this is delicious. Thank you. Thanks. Sorry, I hope I'm not being too loud. No, you're fine. The kids are asleep? Yeah. Well, yeah, they should be asleep. Good. Where were we? Be asleep, kids. <laughs> no, Matt was like, we have an appointment. You have got to go to bed. <laughs> mm. They're fine. It's you guys are getting time. great at this. It's their bedtime anyway. Yeah. Oh, this is delicious. All right, now I'm off I'm off track. You're okay. What were we talking about? Oh, right. I don't think that she felt confident writing in Nesta's voice. Because we're getting some of what Nesta's thinking. We're getting things from her point of view, but we're not having to, like... Sometimes when you write in first person, you have to sort of speak. I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. So you have like a way that you look at the world and the way that you interact with the world internally that I'm not privy to. Yep. And you can tell me what you're thinking and I can see what you're doing, but I don't get the full Kate. Right. Because I'm not Kate. You're not getting my inner monologue. Right. So, and so she doesn't speak from Nesta's inner monologue. Right. She's not giving us the full Nesta because it right. probably would have felt too dark especially for the first very dark it would have been section. fuck this fuck that yeah go fuck yourself don't fucking talk to me i hate myself yeah <laughs> i hate myself i see everything through a version like a her basic her i default. fucking hate myself colored glasses yeah 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 so i think it would have she probably may have tried it and it just felt like her the, editor oh, probably was this like this is gonna yeah. be a slog because no yeah and and that's fair because that's where nesta is right but then to sort of distance the reader a little bit from like the intensity that is nesta for the first three quarters of the book right I think that's why we get it in first person limited. Yeah. So we get some of what she's thinking. We get exclusively her point of view, but we don't get like the full Nesta in her monologue. Right. Yep. Cassian too. Yeah. Cassian too. Cause his wouldn't have been fuck this, fuck that. It'd been like, fuck Nesta, fuck Nesta. I want to, I fuck, want to, to fuck, fuck Nesta. Nesta. Yeah. <laughs> I am a happy golden retriever and I am super strong and yeah. I'm going to take her on a fitness journey with me. Yeah. Come on, babe, just work out with me. Right. <laughs> Everything will be fine. It'll, it'll heal all your problems. <laughs> yeah. Just do some um, more I love you no matter what you are yeah. in your darkest stage. I got you, babe. Um, so let's start about, let's kind of talk about where we start. So we start few months after um, Frost and Starlight. Yeah. And um, Nesta is going through it. Yes. She's binge drinking and binge banging and kind of 
basically where we left off last time. Yeah. And, but we are starting with no one's having it anymore and we're at the intervention. Right. Yeah. Sarah's like, yes. You spent 500. Well, let's just, if we just had to guesstimate the inflation, how much would you say her bar tab was in like dollars today? Well, it obviously made them upset and we've covered a lot about how wealthy they are. Right. So I'm and they guessing, were embarrassed. Yeah. I'm guessing it's in the thousands and thousands of dollars. I would say like 25 grand. Yeah. She drops 25 G's at the bar. Yeah. Buying people, popping bottles, buying rounds, Playing enjoying cards. all about the yeah. music, which we learned more about her, which I love. She's such a physical person. And I think, you know, she heals through mending her body. She's yeah. very physical, like things she can touch, hear, very, she can't really deal with her feelings. So she leans into all of her other senses and emotions. But Nessa's pissed off. She's like, I cannot believe, as most people do when they are being interventioned. Yeah. She is like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> She's like, um, no, I'm going to do what I want to do because yeah. it's all your fault and, and you're going to keep paying for it. Meanwhile, bratty. I mean, it's funny getting Rhysand, Reese's and Farah's, like, <laughs> who they are from Nessa's point of view is really yeah. funny. Like, yeah. Rissand, Rissand, how do you say Rissand? Rissand. Rissand. Is such a broy jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, he doesn't like me. He I hates fucking me. hate him. Yeah, I hate him. Get your stupid purple eyes out my face. I don't like you, bro. That's yeah. how she feels about him. And um, he basically is like, oh, you little slum? It's the only slum in Prithian, and I'm ripping it down, and I'm building some homes <laughs> yeah. for people who need it. Yeah. And she's just like, what? <laughs> she's like, what about my stuff? And what they're like, my, what stuff? And they're like, we've already packed it up. It's on its way. And she's <laughs> like, put well, it in a hat box. How does Elaine feel like this? And they're like, well, Elaine's packing your shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> Elaine's on board. And it's really cute because the book starts with Cassian, his like, chipper optimistic strong man self picking her up like yeah trying to deal with it and it's really so fun <laughs> i'm gonna try to not be too like i'm gonna try and keep how much i love cassian's point of view put like i'm gonna not keep not. it i want to just let it fly. let it go just let it, let it go. go yeah, yeah. that's um, what we're here for <laughs> <laughs> i love him so much um but he is always just like a little bit pissed off that she's you know, he catches her in some other dude's shirt. Yeah. And she's just like, oh, my God. Like, such a party girl. Which Sarah J. Mass must, must have gone through her party That's girl That's what phase. I kept thinking was, like, Sarah J. Mass is speaking from some form of experience well, here. And she's got other characters and other stories that are, like, party girls. And I think she's a New Yorker, so maybe she had her club days or something. She's speaking from at least a very good imagination, if not actual personal experience because <laughs> yeah. she gets she is extremely consistent in nesta's like recovery journey yeah yeah yes. yes and it it i really yeah as a person who's also gone on a recovery journey it is it hits home it she does a great job she that she keeps that tone really solid like the tone of the healing happens subtly yeah over three quarters of the first yeah. of the book i did like how long it took for nesta to get better 
Like I liked how long it took for Desta to get better. I did too. And that's why this, and that's why when I was listening to this one again, like I just find myself, this is one of the books I go back to. And I'm, I will just to go to bed, put on like the chapter where her and, well, that's way far ahead. We're going to swirl back. boop. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> I'll talk about that at another point. But there's chapters in this book that I'll put on because I just enjoyed them so much. Yeah. And I just want to listen to that climax again. I just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so many of those. Ooh, so oh, many. So many. Okay. Yes. So let, we can go. Let, let's talk about that. So one of the things your sister said about this book is she goes, isn't that the one that was problematic? Well, I wouldn't say it's problematic. I would say it is on another level. Yeah. Spice smut meter wise. These are not young adult books, and I'm not, I don't think they're marketed as young adult well, books. Well, the first one, maybe. Yeah. And some of her other stories, maybe. But this one is straight up MA. Yeah. Mature content. But I feel like we've been building to this. And I think this is more has to do with the chemistry between Cassian and Nesta. Yeah. Because she doesn't always write like this, and she writes. From her other stories, whether it's Throne of Glass or Crescent City, the smutty, spicy scenes kind of match the tone of the two characters' relationship. Right, because these are two extremely physical people. Right. Cassian and Nesta are both extremely physical people. So this is an extremely physical physical book. book. Yeah. And as a person who I think there's a lot of people out there that connect via like physical touch more so than they can be emotional and vulnerable. Yeah. Like we get Rasan in chapter 54. Right. Um, but yeah, very, a lot spicier, a lot spicier. Yeah. Not quite ice planet barbarian, but like it has its moments. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's pretty, it's pretty close. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. I remember reading it for the first time and listening it for the first time and just like, I'm such a kid. I love listening to it, but I chuckle. I chuckle because- <laughs> There's a couple of chuckle links. So Steen yeah. and Nielsen, they, of course, they switched narrators when they were reading the books. The lady that reads these books is excellent. She actually does another series called Ash and Blood. I think that's the name of it. It's, I don't know, it's got Poppy and Castile, these two other romanticy people that are famous- You'll look them up. I think I have read that one. Really? Yeah, I think that's the one that I told you I didn't like it, and I was so unremarkable I forgot why. I didn't oh, like it. really? Yeah. I didn't mind Poppy. I didn't mind them. They're fine. I I don't like them as much as these. The, our night court. Poppy was just really dense, if I remember. It just took her a really long time to figure things out. Yeah, she was very naive. Yeah. Once again, a young woman. <laughs> well, clearly, my my heroines need to be well like at least twenty five plus. Yes. Yeah, because Nesta is like easier. Yeah, yeah. I was fine with that. I was like, okay, I get Nesta. This yes, is good. Yeah, good. Pharaoh, just like, oh god. <laughs> she was nineteen, and this yeah. is twenty four, twenty five. This is why I don't read like high school books. I can't do yeah. it if they're in high school. I'm like. Uh, I can't. It's tough. It's tough. It's super tough. I know. I can't. That's why I'm really keen on when they do make this story into a, I really need it to be an adult show. Yeah. Or at least leaning to like. Yes. Please. 
Because this is... I can't watch a 19-year-old meet her soulmate. I can't do it. No. And, you know, Farah is a very battle, battle-hardened... Battle-hardened. Wise. She's we wise. We can age these characters up easily. To 28. Yeah. Like, my favorite age, 28, 29, maybe mid-30s. I mean, I've loved my 30s. So, I'm... I love my 30s, and my 30s are over in, like, 22 days. <laughs> Literally, I I have loved my thirties. I like my thirties. I'm, ex- I'm excited about my forties. I'm not gonna lie. And I, I feel like I, I'm finally a whole person. I enjoy my my thirties and up heroines. Yeah, a lot. Right. And I'm happy every time they show up. I I I agree. I think there's something about hitting your thirties. It's like you have them. You're not done cooking yet. No. But you have enough to where you're like independent, you're comfortable being your own person. You're no longer, at least in my case, being like super influenced by relationships. Well, I don't know. You had been married 10 years by the time you were 30. <laughs> I don't want to talk so about that. might have had different experiences. Yeah, but it's still, it's a liberating age. It's felt like so. a very liberating age. Yeah. You're I was like, still very young, very, I entered my... Leaving 30s and entering 30s, totally different places, and I've really liked becoming, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's a good decade of becoming. That's, yeah. that's fair. So I, I, I think that's probably why I had an easier time with Nesta, especially now that we got more from her point of view. And she actually is like, I can't believe I didn't fucking do anything to help Farah. Yeah, by the end of the book. Yeah. And she, it's a full journey. Like, she's like step nining at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Making amends. Yeah. You know, like we're Sings. basically going yeah. through a recovery process. The reflection, like having her finally starting to reflect. I mean, she probably did have some sort of like recovery program in front of her as she's like writing this book. Yeah. Just to set the tone so consistently throughout. Like we really start and finish with two different people. We do. And it's it's glorious. So I guess we can go back to they lock they don't lock her up, but she basically gets her own yeah enchanted like, voyeur home. It's like an intervention, the show, which I've watched a fair amount of. Did you? Where they they always take them far away. Like they'll be in Canada and they'll go to Florida for their recovery. And it's like you can leave, but you gotta get back home on your own. Right. It's like you can leave the house of wind anytime, anytime you, you want. want. You just got to get down the 10,000 steps. That's <laughs> yeah. all you got to do, yeah. Nesta. Actual steps. Yeah. Yeah. And so they put her up in the House of Wind. And what we learn is that the House of Wind becomes her best friend. I love how she keeps accidentally making things sentient and magical. Like, I know. Accidentally. Yeah. Like, oops, did I do that? <laughs> like, oh, my house is, and not, like doesn't think about the fact that all of a sudden the house is giving her things and like answering her and it's like a voyeur and likes romance novels yeah romanticies it's like it's a silent companion yeah and there's there's something kind of meta about nesta and her friends and liking romantic and reading smut yeah and then kind of getting shit for reading smut while we're all reading this smutty ass (laughs) book i i always have moments where i'm in my car and something super spicy is happening and i like (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I wish I could replicate. I was like, I wonder if I can replicate the chuckle yeah. that comes out of my mouth when something's happened. And I'm just driving in my car and I'm looking around at people around me and I'm like, I have no clue that. <laughs> well, they're probably listening to their own. Well, hopefully. Yeah, their yeah. own version. I, I, I have to say this. There's this thing that happens a lot. Like I said, Steena Nilsson does a really great job going back and forth between Cassian's voice and Nesta's voice. I couldn't imagine a better narrator. However, there is this sound that <laughs> that the men make that takes me out every mm. single time, and it sounds like, oh, 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 oh shit. It's like this like ridiculous, oh. And every time they do it, I'm like, well, that's not hot. <laughs> Every time. Can you please watch, just watch something, like watch something, an erotic film. Can you please watch and just replicate a real sound? <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, but it, it, it's just her doing a male orgasm sound. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my God. It's so cringy. It's like that part in a movie where you're supposed to lose touch with the sex scene, like where everything's going and then the guy makes a stupid noise and it's like a... Yeah. Like a, oh, <laughs> yeah. And in yeah. Anyways, it she does a fantastic job. I, but there are what? several moments. Why does she do that? This I don't is, know. I it's feel like not written in the book. I feel like just for emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> emphasis. You've got to find a clip of it and put it on the pod somehow. Maybe at the end. But like, I need it to be connected to what I'm talking about. <laughs> Because it is so tough. Tough. Yeah. Okay. Pulls me I will out. try to find it. I love all of there. it except for. Fuck. He kept her feet on the ground. Fuck. Please stop doing it. <laughs> anyway, so, anyway, they live in the house, they live on the, the, the ceiling, and they give her jobs. They, yeah. they make her busy. You got to train, you got to go to fitness camp. You gotta go to the gym. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta go to the library. Shelf books, yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. And you gotta live in this enchanted house that gives you all the creature comforts you could possibly right. imagine. You don't have to cook, you don't have to clean, you but, don't have to do anything. But work out and go to the library. You have to be sober. Yeah. And your mind you have to live with your own feelings and thoughts. Yes. Which is the hardest part for Nesta. I mean, that's harder even than being sober because she's there's never where she's like, well, that's why she's never sober. Yeah. Yeah. She don't want to be alone with herself. So she's got to do all this stuff and stay busy. Stubborn little Nesta will not when they go into what's the camp called? The Illyrian? A wind haven or something. Yeah. That little tiny village. Yeah. She will not work out in front of those dudes. I don't nope. blame her. It would be like being at some gym bro. Yeah. And, and like feeling really unsafe and uncomfortable. Right. I don't know why they felt like they needed to do that to begin with, knowing there's a training area. Because Feyre trained in the training area at the House of Wind. Right. They just weren't thinking. They're like, this is what we've been doing every day. We'll take her with us. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Anyways. Even though Cassian can't winnow, which means that somebody has to take them to the camp every day. Yeah. And they know she hates like, for sand. You want to talk about inefficient? If your way of traveling and transportation is the literal high lord of yeah. Prithian yeah. or the second in command or third in command, 
taking you back and forth, yeah. it might not be the best solution use of your time. Yes. Yeah. And I love how more <laughs> is not in this book. Not really. Nope. She pops up exclusively for transportation. And I really, and I, I think that's intentional. I think we're going to get it. Well, this, the stories aren't over. There will be more books. And so I'm sure we'll get that story. I'm sure story. we'll get more and more, but she does this frequently where she'll be like, this is a kid. It's like when Feyre goes to the, under the mountain at the second, like third or the third, third of the first book. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'd get like, Tanlin doesn't have a line. Even when he like takes her to the side to fuck her for no reason. He doesn't even really get a line. And she does this frequently. She'll have characters that she just doesn't want in this scene right now. She hasn't she her priority right now is Rosand and Feyre. And she's not interested in having Tamlin butt in. And so even though he'll come and do something, which drives the plot forward, she doesn't give him dialogue. And she did the same thing with Moore in this book, where she shows up. She winnows them a couple of places. We get the implication that she talks to Nesta, but Nesta's like, well, she wasn't super chatty. And that's it. We don't even get, like, we may get one line of dialogue. And I don't really even, I tried to pay attention to what her even goals are wherever she's at. And I don't remember. She's just doing, she's just trying to get this. She's doing some kind of deaf recon. This other. Seal Team 6 type thing. This other fairy kingdom just trying to get them to sign a. Like a treaty, treaty. or something. You're right. Yeah. Well, I hope we get a whole more story. But you're right. They, she's not in it at all. And yeah. So something that is the, in the fandom that pops up a lot is, okay, help me with the three. There's Gwen. Yeah. Nesta. And what's the third best friend's name? Emery. Emery. There is this whole fanfic thing about Emery and more. Being a thing. I can see that. And yeah, it's like, a like that's a thing. I and thought that might happen when more does show up one day. Is there a I scene thought, between them? I there's tried. not a scene between them, but they like, they do meet. Right. Kind of. Like one right. of the moments when more comes back. And Emery has mentioned several times that she's not interested in marrying any of the Illyrian dudes, which it, at the moment, at least it's implied it's because they're all dickheads. And they are like beyond dickheads. Yeah, and she's traumatized because she was clipped. Mauled. Basically, yeah. they call her a crippled at one point. I think yeah. they're talking about her. Or maybe yeah. someone's hurt. Like, yeah, she's – which is so sad. And But I do love that when they give her the option to fix her wing, she's like, I'm actually okay like this now. Yeah. This is who I am. I'm fine right, right now. Um, but, yeah, so there's a whole fan, like, idea behind them too. So – you're right. She's not in the book, though. It's because Sarah J. Mass tends to pair people up. Like, we don't have characters that pop up that don't eventually end up with their faded mate. I know, faded mates. So, I was telling you, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this through these pods yet, but I was dating somebody for a while, and they were polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous, whatever you want to call it. And I had read, like, 15 books about faded mates <laughs> and that probably wasn't great for that relationship i probably should have been doing reverse harem or some <laughs> other sort of spicy smut we, like a reverse harem yeah i think we talked about that in the first yeah. pod but it was really not a good idea to be reading faded mate stories and yeah. also trying to navigate the 
nuances of a monogamous with a polyamorous relationship. Yeah. So sorry that that didn't work out. But it just wasn't what you were looking for. It might have been if I had been influenced by a different uh, style of of love. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of faded mates. I mean, we get that. Yeah. I mean, just so and there's so many questions that arises like especially in her mythology all of the faded mates are not necessarily because you're going to be good together but because you're going to make the best babies right so does that mean if you are not heterosexual you can't be with your you won't fall in you love. won't fall in love with your faded mate because you can't necessarily procreate right if you are with someone who doesn't have the genitalia necessary yeah so it kind of honestly that offspring it it's some in one in one sense it makes some stakes because yeah. like lucian and elaine maybe they don't end up together because there's that idea that she you know turns yeah. down the mating bond but at the second time it kind of cheapens like the idea of a mate yeah like oh this isn't about like love and our chemistry, it's about making the best possible babies. Yeah, a DNA, yeah. like yeah. Progr- Darwinism, almost like yeah. progressing the race of fae folk, whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, don't, I get a little. That's why I ended up. It's a like, little. Ice Planet yeah. Barbarians is fun. I like Ice Planet Barbarians, but after a little while, it was like okay. Ugh. All right. How many books are there? Like I don't, 12? I don't want to find out about how you resonate for each other. They're queens. I really just want somebody, an author, who puts the work in to make the characters fall in love. Yeah. And we don't get the shortcut of, well, you're fated. Your souls are calling out for each other. Yeah. Which it feels like a shortcut after a while. Yeah. And I understand it's a trope that people like. It's like the enemies to lovers trope. The fated, the star. Well, the enemies to lovers is all about... Them seeing it, you at your worst. Right. But it's, then, I'm yeah, just it's yeah, saying yeah. it's like it's a trope just right, like sure. where some people seek we like out it. the you seek out the yeah, fate. I like mate. enemies to lovers and I didn't yeah. even know it. There was this movie Far and Away. Do you remember Far and Away? Yes. With Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. It yeah. was my favorite movie as a kid. And it was really because they hated each other and yeah. they screamed at each other. And I thought that was so hot. <laughs> I was like, they fucking hate each other. Yeah. And then they love each other. I love that. And that's kind of what Ka- Nesta and Cassian do. Yeah. They are not, well, at least from her perspective. Yeah, because he's all in from the very beginning. And so she's so traumatized that she's self-sabotaging herself the entire time. Yeah. And it is great because we do get a glimpse of how she feels about herself. Right? Yeah, we My do. My favorite chapter in the book is where she has that breakdown. And it's like, this is why I've been so... Mad because you're so good and I'm a piece of shit. And yeah, I don't. I don't you. deserve you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this isn't about me hating you. This is about me hating myself. Right, and yeah. I don't deserve you. And so I've self sabotaged the entire way. But I've wanted you since the moment I met you. Yeah. Oh, I love that part. I listen to it a lot. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good. It's thing. good. They're they're like slow burn together. Yeah. It's good. And, and it's just one book, right? It's, yeah. it's just this one big thick old book. It's one massive book it is a massive book <laughs> yeah. which you finished i am here to say again <laughs> that you are a super fast reader because you finished it so fast this one was an easier read because than it's good. the last yeah two not counting um court of frost and starlight like the last two like 
chunk Mist books. Mist of Fury and Wings of Ruin. Yeah, those yeah. were harder to get through because it was so much. There were lulls, big yeah. lulls. Sarah J. Mass was really trying for plot, which is fine. I mean, that's great. She's not a bad writer, but that is not her strong point. Her strong point is just two characters. This is an elevator book. Everything takes place in almost the exact same set of scenes, a set of sets. We're in Nesta's bedroom, the kitchen, Cassian's bedroom, the and library. the training ring in the library. Yep. And that's it. Yep. And all of our plot, most of our plot happens there. The And then it's like at the very end, she's like, oh shit, I have to have something happen. And then a lot happens. Yeah. And then all so of a sudden, much. here you go. Here's your last three chapters. There's all of your plot. Uh, you, the, you're welcome. I put a plot the last, in the book. Yeah. Actually, let's... Look at it. It's it's the count them. I'm just gonna yeah, just look at the table. Well, her chapters are never labeled. I just give. Can you just give the chapters names? A name because it's really hard when you're listening on Audible and nope, they don't have names, so there's no way to really. It's the last part four. Yeah, ataraxia. Do they go over in this book what that means? Yeah. Isn't it peace? Inner peace. Inner peace. Yeah. yeah. Which is the best name. Right. Because she tells that to the one guy, the one like <laughs> yeah, the ancient l- guy or whatever. L- laugh- Lenthius or something. Lenthus. Yeah. Lenthus. 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 She tells him and he's like, what? That's hilarious. She's like, well, it's going to kill you anyway, so who cares? It's like naming a sword Serenity now. Yeah. Which is what I would name mine. I asked Rachel on the way over here, what would you name a sword? Or earlier today, did you come up with something? I agonized over it for a really long period of time. I didn't come up with anything, but it was just like, because I have all this like um, archival knowledge of all these like. Well, I just keep on it. And the moment that you sit up in bed and you go, that's what I would name my weapon. It doesn't even have to be a sword too. If you want to get really creative and figure out like. The universe and the fantasy is open. Yeah. Your weapon, the name of your weapon. Okay. But gotcha. mine, I'm not sure what it would be. It might be like a purple lightsaber, but it would be called Serenity now. That'd be good. Because <laughs> I was thinking like, you go either way. You have the, the like over the top fantasy named swords. Right. And then you get the like. <laughs> <laughs> this is kitty kitty gumdrop. Right. I, I was like. Whoa. Slayer of all men. Which way do I want to go? And it reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever read any of the um, Dritz de Orden books by R.A. Salvatore. Mm, what are they? They're like, he's a dark elf. They're one of those based on the like D&D fantasy world. I have kind not. Of. Um, but he's a dark elf, but he's not evil. And oh, so yeah. he grows up in this dark elf world and he ends up escaping but he has two scimitars and Ari Salvatore is generally a good writer but he has the best written fight scenes he's oh, the really? only fight scenes I will not skip really is him I think Sanderson's fight scenes are pretty good they're pretty good and Ari Salvatore is really good too are they I'll have to check him out but he has I like a good fight scene he has two scimitars and one is icing death and the other one's twinkle and so that's what I was thinking one about. is ice and death icing death icing icing death yes and the other one is Twinkle. And there are these two magical scimitars that he found. <laughs> and I was just, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was just like, Twinkle. And then I was like, no, I can't do that. That one's done. And I was like, but it's such a good, so it's like I this. mean, but you maybe you can find something along those lines. Because yeah. I could totally see you with some sword that has some like sweet little name that's also like, a, you know, 
does damage. Yeah. Plus 55 damage. <laughs> Something wild. Wild stats. Wild stats. Wild stats. <laughs> um, yeah. So I feel like this art, we're so bebopping that it's hard to follow along. Sorry. It, no, that's perfect. Well, that's why I put our discussions are like glowing ping pong balls. Of, I think that is a really great analogy. It's an app discussions. Because right. we, lo- we both have a lot of um, genre knowledge that yeah. we bring to the table. Yeah. And I can't speak in exclusion to it because I, I no. have it and here it is. Right. And here's what and I that, bring now to we're this talking table. About it. Well, and this one is so, this story isn't necessarily because it's plot driven more towards the end. There's, it. I don't feel like it is as much, you know, so they give Nesta a job and then Nesta yeah. starts working out and Cassian figures out, oh, she's so prideful. She's not going to do this at the, the bro gym. We got to bring this home to the the private gym. Yeah. And we got to do some private training. And then she's like, oh, God, my body feels amazing. Yeah. And I love watching her fitness journey and her not being able to take the stairs. And she starts off the first time going like 80 stairs. Yes. And she almost dies. (laughs) And going down, too. Going down is not as hard as going up. And it's wild to me and almost unbelievable that she'll be like, and then I... I descended a hundred and then I just started my way back up. Like the way back up isn't way harder than yeah. the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they're extremely steep stairs. Yeah, that's true. But with 10,000 of them, I'm, you know, it is a mountain. So yeah. I don't uh, know. It's metaphorical. It is metaphorical. It's metaphorical. Yeah. I'm thinking really hard about those steps right now. Yeah. How, what is, I, Sarah J. Mass, I need to know the rise and the run of the stairs. I know. Can you? Is this an easy, like, not, like, how, how steep are these stairs? Are, are we're we talking, talking about, like, a foot rise I think and, like, going, a two, uh, like, a two-inch run. I was picturing, like, the medieval spiral staircase yeah. where it's cramped and tiny and dark and windowless and extremely steep. Yep. That's what I was going I, with. Probably a really high rise. It, if there's a high rise, anything over seven inches, by the way, um, <laughs> feels hard. Yeah. Like you have to like use your glutes to drop yourself down. Right. Yeah. Okay. Heard. That's what I was going with. Let's was go like, with it. All Let's right. Con- sure. We'll decide Because then she on can kind of hand and knees it on the way up. But she's stuck with just her. Like she could sit and scoot maybe. My glutes are on fire just thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. She's also just going out and training for like two to three hours every single day. I will pay attention. I have started eating differently because of Cassian telling me how to eat. <laughs> Cassian's like, here's what you need to do. You like, need to drop your sugar. Cassian. You're not going to be able to get through the day without eating more protein based. Eat your protein porridge. Yeah. And drink more water and eat some fruit because if you don't, if you eat that crumpet, you're going to have like, he's so smart. Yeah. He's like such a bro. He's so nutritionally sound. Yeah. And I've started eating better. Instead of porridge, I eat Greek yogurt. But <laughs> thank you, Cassian. I'm obsessed with you and I listen to you. So in a year from now, when my life's different because of Cassian's nutritional advice. <laughs> anyway, That's so nice she starts so training. She starts eating better. She starts feeling better. She starts really, really getting more addicted to the workout. Yeah. Then she meets Gwen, who's so great. Quarter, quarter wraith. Quarter, um, like water wraith. Water wraith, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like so siren, she, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that Farah saved. Yeah, gave the money to. <laughs> yeah, the ones that she bailed <laughs> yeah. out financially yes, with some jewelry. Yeah, right. right. So 
which makes her really pliable. I love that they were like, her bones are more pliable. So yeah. She's, really, she's like, that's that's it. My bones are more pliable. And then yeah. she just left it at that. She was like, that's my superpower. Yeah. I'm but bendy. The whole idea of the library and it being like a rehabilitation center for like damaged women is so great. Yeah. And everybody is such sad stories. Clothos and her inability to use her hands, but her talking through. But not the raging bitch lady or the the un- the highly combative lady that Gwen works for. Yeah. <laughs> the wind oh, yeah, she's lady. She's such a jerk. Well, she's all ego. I mean, yeah. I think it's acceptable to say she's kind of a bitch. If you're super high frequency and always coming from this ego spot, like she's, is she really healing? Like how long has she been there? Yeah. Is that why she's there? Or is she just there for access to the library? Yeah. But, and they do, they are pretty straightforward. I love that there weren't really a lot of secrets around what they were doing. I find that really annoying. If they're yeah. like, oh, we can't know what she's writing. She's like, no, we're yeah. writing a book about the Valkyries. And guess what? That's one of the sweetest parts of the whole book, by the way. When she... She writes the chapter about them and how they're bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sweet. And anyway, so Nesta's doing her thing. And then basically... She just gathers friends. Like she Yeah. And yeah. found family. We yeah. have this other journey where she's not she's she, well, she's so rebellious. She's oppositionally defiant yeah. towards Farah. And Farah. And like doesn't want anything to do with her. Doesn't want to be her friends. She's really angry at her sisters. I mean, I kind of don't blame her. Like I've had moments where I don't want anything to do with my sister yeah, i want my own friend they're triggering for her because they remind her of that of all the things that she wished you had done differently and didn't and her dad and yeah her mom and listening to why their mom was not cool no like super uncool like can you imagine like she like trained her up like a little dancing ballerina soldier yeah no wonder she was such a She's like, Elaine, Elaine will be bitch. able to marry for love, but not you, Nesta. Yeah. You're going to marry for position. Yeah. And you're going to bring us power. Yeah. She was uh, narcissistic. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. good word. Yeah. She was a narcissistic parent. Yep. Yep. Was such a narcissist. Which is why Nesta is totally out of touch with her own emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was the primary victim of the narcissistic mom. Right. And she, yeah, just thinking about how when you were saying she was out of touch, I'm thinking about like, yeah, I think a lot of times people who show up with that much anger, if you're really angry all the time, it's really because you don't know why you're so sad. Yeah. And so I oftentimes see people who are carrying anger with them. And I know this because I was, I've been like this a lot in my life. It's fine. Um, it's really because you can't pinpoint. You're not connected. Right. You don't understand why you're upset. And you're just carrying around a lot of hurt and wounds. And you're just being an asshole because you, you're not even considering like, oh, what's actually going on here? Well, you're wounded. Yeah. So it's like any wounded person or wounded animal or whatever. You lash out at anyone because you're in pain. Yeah. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> so that's oh! Nesta. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's that's Nesta for the for, for the you know, quite a bit of the book. Yeah. It's just her coming to terms. Her healing. And, and being starting to be reflective. Yeah. Healing physically and then allowing herself to heal mentally. Yeah. And I don't know 
you know, I, it, you know, as mature adults, I think we realize how important physical healing is to go along with mental health. Yeah. Healing. Like they're, they're tied. They're not different. They are one and the same. And you can start healing your body and your brain catch up. Sometimes vice versa. Yeah. But you can't really do, you can't have the wholeness without doing both of the things. But she does throw herself into her fitness routine. And she starts to be a badass. Yeah. She really does. Far more than Feyre, really. Because after the first little bit, I mean, Feyre kind of hooks up with her sand. And then after that, it's kind of like, well, you have magic now. So you don't really need any of that other shit anymore. Right. And they have, you know, we have heard fair have like training bits but nesta straight up is doing that thing every day yeah for like and learning like everything because for like a long long time yeah because favorite carries blades but we don't really get i mean we don't get a whole lot of she she's knows an archer how to, though yeah she yeah. she does the archery um but we get but nesta definitely concentrates far more but she has more at stake she's never been able to take care of herself this is her first opportunity to be like, I can take care of myself and others if yeah. I learn to be capable. Oh, and that entitlement to start off with. I mean, that's what happens if you spoil somebody. Yeah. If they're always taken care of, they end up with substance abuse issues and yeah. an inability to function in reality. Right. Yeah. So Farah or Nesta, yeah, finds her friends. They become Valkyries. Yeah. And then we're at the end of the book. Pretty, yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. With a lot, a lot of, of hot sex, sex in between. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I'm glad, sorry. I'm glad we covered masturbation last time. Oh, yeah, because there's a bunch of it. If not, we'd have, we'd have thrown it in here. Yep. Yeah. Because they're so hot for each other. Yeah. And in this is how you know how disconnected you are. They're literally how disconnected she is. They are literally mates the whole time. Yeah. And she's so un out of touch that she... Just thinks she's got the hots for this dude. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if you're... She's like, well, he's really, really handsome, and that's why I'm masturbating to him. Definitely not because I'm fated to be with him. Yeah, that's why our chemistry is so time. strong, because yeah. it, it, me me seeing him and immediately never thinking about another person ever again has nothing to do with this physical connection. Yeah. And it's so... The whole... It's just sexing... She I did the, my, this is the eyes. exact same plot line that we had between Feyre and Rasand. Because right. the first time they're going to be together, she's like, Rasand, it's just sex. Just so you know, this is going to be just sex. And Nesta does the same thing. Yeah. And then when they find out their mates, we have the exact same reaction. Right. But they do it a lot. Yeah. They and do it a Reese lot. And Feyre don't do it. And they don't go hardcore. Chapter 55 doesn't happen until they know their mates. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nesta and Cassian be getting it on. They they just going at it. Yeah. Slut slut era. Yeah. Whole book. And then it's like wifey era. Yeah. And then he's like, well, we're mates. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to need you to, to leave. Shut the fuck up. I need you to go. Take your beautiful, thoughtful, perfect gift and your non-toxic masculinity and get out of my face because yeah. I'm a piece of shit and I don't want anything yeah, to do with I, you. I have got to fucking process this right now. And then she goes off and yells at Feyre. And that's when we get... <laughs> that's what she's like. Which, that she's shame like, on them for lying to her. Yeah. 
fucking shame. If I was <laughs> dying and I found out that Matt wasn't telling me that I was dying, I'd be like, fuck you. Fuck you thinking that I what, don't deserve what happened to know to, this. We do choice in this home. Yeah. We give people choices. I found a meme that was like <laughs> Rasand and Feyre making their death pact. And it was like. Oh, yeah. Wait, didn't I send you that? Like, we've absolutely not thought, thought about, about that. This. Wait, I sent you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you did. Like, and it's got yes. it's got Andy from Parks and Rec going. Yes. We absolutely did not think this through. Yeah, that was totally her being twenty and Reese being five hundred. And I have absolutely no. This is unbelievable to me that we can do all of this with magic and we can't do a C section. Oh well, I wanted to bring that forward. I mean, in a way, I've thought about it a lot. We needed stakes. This book has better I'm, stakes than all of the other books I put together. I agree. We needed stakes. I don't know that this is the hill she needed to die on. Well, I don't know. I'm going to be really optimistic here and say they were really high stakes. And if you think about a woman's womb, if you think about how, I mean, it is kind of a magical thing that our bodies can do that. But she could have come up with a lot. Like we could have had that C-sections were not uncommon but something to do with Feyre being made. I mean, we could have had a whole lot of other things that we could have used to create these stakes without it being just like, yeah, we got and literally no fucking clue how to get that baby out of there. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I can literally put together wings that are stumps and a couple strips of leather. Um, Shredded to ribbons. Shredded to ribbons. Right. Which we, we can shred any shit to ribbons, and we can just stitch, stitch that shit back, back together. together. Not a problem. But we cannot... Take a baby out of a womb safely, right? With wings, right? Out of it, out of a, a regular high fay womb, right? Yeah, I just didn't argue with it that much, and I respect that you did, and that's fine. I was just like, but I was sobbing at the end. Of, I was just out in my car sobbing. I mean, it was. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. The with- thought of losing Farah and Reese at the same time because they made that damn pact to dinner. They knew they were going to have a kid together. We could have just had the baby come too soon and have the baby not be viable and have Nesta give up everything to bring the baby back. We didn't necessarily have to have... We could have just had that the baby came early and that's why Pharaoh was in danger. Right. I mean, we didn't... But we needed to know really early on that Reese was stressed out and really moody and emotional and that he lied to her so that Nesta yeah, could go could drop the on motherfucking kid. nuclear bomb, bomb on Feyre and be like, well, well, you're dying, bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Feyre's like, I'm what? Oh, you know what? They're lying to me. How do you feel? They're lying to you, too. Yeah. Yeah. And Why it was, literally, it oh, was because, literally just because she made a sword and nobody told her that she'd made capital and M. And they voted on it. Sword. I would be pissed, too. If, I mean... She yeah. smelted. Is that, a, is that the right way? <laughs> smithed. She smithed. Smelting. What's smelting? Smelting is. Um, it feels like it's right. Well, it's not it, but I can't. Now you're not. <laughs> so she goes and she hammers out yeah. a sword. And she, of course, she Im- imbibes it with her magical powers. Yeah, on accident. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Did I make it all powerful with a magical sword weapon? that will kill oh immortal. Creatures that yeah. are thousands and thousands did, of years did old. Did I do that? <laughs> like when she does it with the friendship bracelet. 
I know. I, I loved it. I, I almost her little GPS like, bracelet. I almost texted you like, did she just accidentally make magic friendship bracelets? She did. I'm screaming. And that is what is so great about this book. Is on one hand, she has got these like teenage best girlfriends. You know, like yeah. Your best girlfriends, your when they make that dang little baby Pegasus sitting in the corner eating its hay, and their little frogs jumping around, and they go to town with this Encanto house. Yeah, you know <laughs> this this voyeur home. Yeah. Oh, I love the house. Wish the house had a name. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Sarah J. Maskett on it. Um, <laughs> in the next book, give us an, give us a name for this beautiful home. And the house didn't go away, right? We didn't lose no, that no, with her they power. They gave it to Nesta. But they... Well, she didn't lose all of her power anyway. She, she didn't lose all of it. it. She yeah. just lost most of it. Yeah. Like, could she... So she's not a death god. She's just, you know, regular power. So will she still be able to use the troves? Probably. I hope so. That's, I don't know. that's a bad bitch thing. This, this is a good example of Sarah J. Mass being not a planner. Right. It's the trove. And like right. and there's that one throwaway section where somebody goes, Well, if we ha- if we knew these all powerful weapons existed, why didn't we find them in order to fight Highburn? And they're they're all like, um Because well, they make you forget about them. Because we uh had all forgotten about them and we just remembered. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I was like, um, this isn't the Deathly Hallows, like, at all. Not, not even a not, little bit. No. When fine. she comes out of that bog with the, uh, the, uh, the mask silky on. face. Yes. And her mask on and that sword. Kelpie, yeah. Kelpie, what I call it, silky? Is yeah. that a thing? That's a thing, yeah, right? Yeah, silky's a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a bad. That's a bad scene, though. I mean, it's. That's, I'm not, that's a pretty bad. They're pretty good. bad bitch scene. But I love how she was just like, "Well, that was in the past, and this is now, and I need more mythology, and I'm gonna throw it at yeah. you." Yeah. Well, and I. So I was really paying attention this time reading it through. There's a lot more mythology in it that I want to know so much about. Like yeah. I want to know what happened fifteen thousand years ago, and in this next upcoming series, there's some tie-ins. So I was like trying to pay attention more. I wish there was, like, I need to go on Wiki or something. Somebody's made a chart. I hope so, because yeah. I want to read more about it. I wish that I could bring more of that to the pod right now, and we could talk about the mythology a little bit and make the connections. But you haven't read Crescent City, so that would be a little bit too much, I think, for this this pod. But we'll get that later. We'll get that later. Yeah. <laughs> when we get back to when it. When we get back to it. Um, But, yeah, so the bog. So she goes and finds the... Mask, but she yeah. just like peels. Nobody in history has ever had the strength to take this mask off. Yeah, she can just like peel She's it off. Like, She's like, what? Like it's hard? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? Like catching the cereal is like, hard? Yeah, like what? Like it's hard? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I was just like, mask, let go, yeah. and it did, and it did. Oh my god! Has anybody ever tried just asking? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's all I had to do. Um, but what else happens in this? There's also um. I feel like there's a lot going on with Cassian and Azriel, where he's just like going and watching people, and I was like trying to keep up with this like subplot that was happening she, in the this background. Was her, she definitely, she here's my fan theory on how Sarah J. Mass wrote this book. She wrote every single fucking sex scene. Yeah, she was like, it's about oh, it's yeah. time. Yeah, here we go. And then she put. <laughs> 
put the so she wrote the whole Nesta Cassian plot. Yeah. And she gave it to her editor and her editor was like, This is great. Yeah, this is spicier than but last this time. But this this is all spice and no meat. This is literally just like you just poured all the spice yeah, in the pot. Yeah, this is just cayenne nothing, everywhere. Nothing else. Right. And she was like, oh, shit, I gotta have a plot. Right. So then she came up with the trove. And that's why these scenes feel Wait, like... Did... Okay, sorry. That's why these scenes feel like they are slotted in. Because we'll be... It's like sex, sex, sex. And it's like, okay, we gotta go get the mask. Okay, we're gonna go get the mask. Okay, that we landed in get the, the harp. We landed in the bog. The mask is right where we dropped you. You picked it up. You defeated the Kelpie. Okay, we're back. Let's have some more sex. And so then we do more sex. And then it's like, okay, we need the next scene. Okay, well, she goes to church and she has a vision. And oh, I know where the harp is. And we go get the harp. And then blah, blah, blah. blah. It's, and it feels very... And so I think the queen to me feels like I, I need a plot. These sex scenes need a plot. And so they're very, very just every once in a while we get like, oh, yeah, Asriel went and saw the queen. Um, she's still in her castle. Right. Oh, Asriel went and saw the queen. Oh, the other queens have all left and there's only one queen left there. <laughs> That's really weird. I wonder why. And then they're always like, well, Vasa, you know, Vasa's only on leave. And she's on leave from whatever. Well, let's go talk to her. And they talk to her. And you find out that the person that she was sold to was a death god. And it, we're ramping up this back plot very slowly. Right. Because Sarah J. Mass did not care about this queen. She did not care about this death god. She cared about Cassian and Nesta. Yeah, I care about them too. And that's so. what she wrote. Same. And the whole rest of it was, it's like in Twilight. <laughs> so in Twilight, the whole book is just Bella and Edward. And then at the very, very end, they're like, oh, bad vampires. Okay, let's have Bella do this completely idiotic thing where she runs away to save Edward, even though Edward literally can't die. Like, he yeah. can't. As long as she just stayed with Well, him, that's the thing about fine. vampires is they can die. Well, but there's there's literally I no mean, reason they to. they can die. They have stakes. I hate it when they're like, we're immortal. Bitch, no, you're not. If yeah. you got out in the sun, you the die. thing, you die. You're functionally immortal. But you're not literally immortal. But anyway. Functionally immortal. So the only thing, the only plot in that book, basically. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm functionally immortal. <laughs> is the very end, right? It's the very end. That's the only plot in Twilight. Right. And it's the same thing in this book. All of a sudden, it's like, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Here's your plot, which I've, yeah. been, I've been peppering in for you, but I have in no way made you think was important because... When we did deal with it, it was extremely perfunctory. Right. It was like the pause between sex scenes. Right. Well, and then, so let's get to the end then. So uh, Gwen and Emery? Emery. Emery and Nesta are the Valkyries, which is super bad and bad bitch. When I say bad, I mean good. Yeah. And um, they finally cut the ribbons and they have become this like gps friendship bracelet power team yeah they are cooler stronger smarter and they have trained in one year to be as good as most of these other illyrian doo-doo butts <laughs> who have been training their whole, lives, their whole lives their whole lives but they don't train as a team i mean that's another thing that is a theme for her is that you are more powerful in a group yeah right asriel cast cast cassian and reese together are unstoppable yeah so, so are Nesta and her besties. So they slice their ribbons and all of a sudden's like, ha, 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 I know what we will do now. And he goes and gets an entire obstacle course that changes on a daily basis. Ah, uh, yeah. So that they can. <laughs> um, and this, to me, did you, did you see Witcher season two? 
Yes. Do you remember that? Yeah, Absolute when she has course. to go through the yes. whole, What's yeah. her name? Siri? Siri. It is Siri? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Did you watch Witcher Blood Origin? No. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. If you're a fantasy fan, I'm not sure Blood Origin is for us, all of us, <laughs> collectively. It's bad. It's another bad. It's bad. Anyways, um, that's what it reminded me of in The Witcher Season 2 when she has to do the obstacle course. Yes. I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And they get through it really quickly. And they are like, maybe like a weekend. Like, Again, it's like... But like it's hard, right? Yeah. So, did you find the? I, I'm sorry, I was in the car when I, I told did find you, the extra chapter. Did you read it? Yeah, I read it. So, there's the whole thing about, and basically, why don't why don't you tell us what happens? There's an extra chapter um, that didn't make it in the book between Azriel and Gwen that kind of alludes to them having um, a little bit of a history. Well, I read the one that was like a deleted scene, and it starts yeah, yeah, yeah. out with Asriel and Elaine together. Okay. She, he gives her a gift. Okay. And then they almost do it, and Rasan's like, oh, he cock blocks him. Oh, maybe that's what it is. He's like, um, don't you know that Lucian's her mate? Which feels super fucking unfair to Elaine, by the way. Yes. Just because she got turned into a fae, and pff, Magic Man is now her her mate. She can't do it with the hot shadow guy, because... Genetically, they're not going to make the most perfect babies. I know. It's really problematic. <laughs> and we Ras- got to get, well, she got to change that up the somehow. The only reason I can see why Rasand is like, please don't, which he doesn't even say, please don't. Well, He's it's just because like, the men, once again, have no control over themselves when they're mated. But, once again, men yeah. cannot control, even though Reese and Cassian can control themselves. Cassian knew that Nesta was his mate. Yeah. For a really long time. In fact, when they really do have a remaining bond after the best chapter in the book, he goes away. Yeah. He's like, she's not going to, I don't want to scare her off. She's plays games and really is avoidant. Yeah. So I don't want her to think that I'm trying to marry her today, even though we are mated and yeah. she needs to feed me and let's, let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's because Lucian, they're scared he can't control himself. Yeah. He's going to beat everybody up. He's going to lose yeah. his shit. If Asriel, which poor Elaine, because she clearly likes Asriel and he clearly likes her. Wait, I know. Yeah. And they're like, they seem very good together. I know. And he's, he's she's all flowers and he's all dark. Asriel is the most um, emotionally agile character in this book. Mm, say more about that. Uh, emotional agility yeah just say more about what you're saying he's just that he's the say least, more about what you're saying he's the least hot-headed yep he's the most thoughtful level-headed he's you the know most why? understanding because he lived in a cupboard under the stairs for like 12 years yeah so <laughs> because he's so where up. everyone else is just raging around with like mad aggressive dick energy Azriel's like can we all calm down and be adults. And talk to our shadows. And just, like, guys, you gotta, you just gotta get it together. Like, we're all better than this. We can be better than this. We can be understanding and patient. Which he doesn't like Nesta, which I think is really funny. Because she's the opposite of him. She's hot-headed. She's out of touch with her emotions. She's, I mean, annoying. he does like her by he the end. But he annoying. finds her very Oh, I gets her a sweet around. gift. He's so thoughtful. Yeah. That's really sweet. But then he leaves after Rasand is like, get out. Just get out. Don't be anywhere near here because, like, I don't want you to lose it and sleep with Elaine. 
And so he goes to the house of wind and he's just going to go to the trainings, like the training area and just work out his aggression. And Gwen is there. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, um, I forgot something. I forgot something. <laughs> and she's like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, it's my dagger. <laughs> I sleep with it. And she's like, well, we all need our blankies. Like, <laughs> It's really cute. Yeah. Because he shows her how to, like, fix her form trying to cut the ribbon. Is that – do they talk about in there – do they talk about in the book how Asriel saved her? Yes. That he saved her from that. Like, he pulled her out when she was getting hurt and her sister was killed. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the – we talked about that in one of the books with Feyre and Rhysand when they were going around and collecting the pieces of the cauldron. Oh. That was one of the places that got raided. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Well, what do you think? Moving forward, do you want Azrael to be with Elaine or Gwen? Well, he can't be with Elaine because of the system she's set up. I fuck that. Yeah. Break it down. You can build a system, you can break it. I mean, we've already talked about how you don't have to be with your mate. You don't have to be with your mate. Yeah. It's I mean, fine. We, we've talked about it at length. I mean, we have a whole section where they're like, yeah, lots of people reject the mating bond. It's like if you've met your soulmate and something happens to your soulmate, like never dating again. Yeah. Like it's, we don't have, it doesn't have to be about that. No. So she needs to tear that system down. Right. Which I would kind of love it if they did get together because that would be a, a good, not everybody goes with their faded mate. Yeah. Not every faded relationship is the one for you. Right. Just be and but they're like, but you'll always be denying the other half of your soul, which fucking sucks, right? What if you find out that your fated mate is an asshole, like Rasan's mother? Right. And then you're di- the other half of my soul is a dick, like a massive asshole, and I'm supposed to be with them because that's the only person I'm ever going to like long Yeah, for she didn't whatever. really think it through. I think you're right. She doesn't think it through. She's hot-headed, which is why she writes hot-headed women <laughs> characters. I mean, I think she did. In the, she wanted to create this system that was imperfect. I think she wanted to create right. an imperfect mate well, cause, yeah, system. Yeah, so there are stakes. So it's not like, oh, well, they'll have to end up together. Right. But I did like in that deleted scene chapter where Asriel's like, how come everybody else get a sister and I don't get, I don't get one? Right. And Rasan's yeah. like, oh, do you just feel like you're entitled to one? And he's like, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I kind of do. Because I've had to listen to you fucking Feyre. And I've had to listen to Cassian and fucking smell them. Nesta. I think about that a lot. Yeah. Is they smell. I can't even imagine. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. You just like smell sex all the time and people's scents merge. Yeah. Oh, and they there's a part in the book where, who is it that's about to call them out from being mates? And Cassian like interrupts them. There's a scene where, God, I can't even remember, and I listened to it today. Um, anyways, there's a moment where someone's like, and you guys are, and Cassie's like, no, 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 no. We don't talk about stuff like that because she can't hang with it. She can't handle the truth. So we don't talk about the truth. She's not there yet. She's awakening. Right. Yeah. So they build their obstacle courses and they become amazing then they get stolen away yeah which is this whole plot for this queen Briallen Breland what's her name Briallen Brilla Brilla I was trying to read a part out loud to Matt and I kept getting embarrassed trying to read that part I was like Br- 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 
Brillen? 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 How do you listen to the audiobooks? I know. <laughs> but I don't see the words, so it's hard for me. It's Brillo just like pad a, sounds fine. Brillo, sounds Queen Brillopad. She the looks one, like a Brillopad. She's the one who became a crone. Yeah, cause she, because she's like 25. Because Nesta did like two thumbs up, two two middle fingers up to the universe and stole <laughs> oh, the, wait. Stole you know the power of creation. <laughs> you know how in... Um, Miss and Fury, her going down with the finger pointed is like yeah. Judgment Day. Yeah. Her coming out of the water is like when she comes back up. It's like the opposite. Yeah. When she's just like pedestaling out of yes. the water with the head and the sword. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it, 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 that was one of the, I laughed really hard when that happened. It was like, I'm not supposed to be laughing right now. Yeah. And this is really funny. That and then at the end, there's a scene at the end. So after we... So we they get entered into the blood right the Illyrian yeah, blood the rite. Hunger Games yeah the Hunger Games and which I mean how how do any Illyrian offspring survive because the body count in this blood right is fucking ridiculous right <laughs> I, like, I know but it's what? like just stay alive is the whole game yeah if you like getting to the top of the mountain isn't even anybody's goal I mean I mean they're trying you can do it if you wanna but you don't need to all you gotta that's do is bonus survive, points survive all you gotta right. do is survive yeah. which I did like she had one non-toxic male character right the one guy that was like let's let's work together well you can stay with me yeah it's fine i i I have no horse in this race i i know who you are right i'm i would really rather save your life and then kill you and be the guy that killed you like i don't fucking care i just want to stay warm you want to come stay warm with me yeah and so they they use their magical gps bracelets to (laughs) find each other convenient yeah which as soon as they got that i was like oh they're gonna get separated like as soon as she was like and i pray that we can find each other no matter what forever i know charm magical charm i was like oh they're gonna get separated so they find each other and they end up on the side of this hillside and so she does like a you shall not pass moment where she lets them go up and win and she's gonna defeat which i really like that that was, you know, it's yeah. so often that our heroine or protagonist gets to do all the cool stuff. Yeah. But part of her journey is like she has no ego anymore. Right. She's just like, I just want my girls to win. I just right. want you guys to make it. Which the ending I was hoping, but we'll get there. Okay. So she's going to defeat this guy who feels very convenient at this moment. Right. Like, like we what need was his a- name? I don't even remember. And it starts with a B. Starts with a B. I don't know. B-boy. B-boy, I don't know. It's, B-boy and Brillo it's pad. Emery's cousin. <laughs> I, he just feels, he feels like that convenient. He re, he really should have died earlier when they, I don't like stabbed him 15 <laughs> times and he came back and he's like, bitch, surprise. You can't kill me like that. I'm functionally immortal. And he just, <laughs> he just pops up. And so she kills everybody else. No problem. It's like a, it's a, it's a total meat grinder. Right. And then he shows up and he's like drunk. He's mind controlled. He's been stabbed and beaten, thrown down a cliff, whatever else they've done to him. And he still manages to almost defeat her. And then. Well, she didn't have any power. Well, then Brielle shows up. Yeah. And then we get this like. <laughs> Tried to defeat you this whole time. Ha ha ha! ha you don't have ha, any power. Ha, 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 yeah. Ha, ha. Oh, but like the funniest thing I'm is here like you're all alone. How do we get Nesta Archer on without her powers? Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll throw her into the Hunger Game. Yeah. That for some reason has some archaic, powerful magic that takes away 
a maid, right? Cauldron maid, mother blessed, yeah, most powerful thing in the world. Her magic it just takes it away. Yep, so sun it. sun up. Yep, takes it away. Yeah, and I did like how they were like, <laughs> yeah, they they're, they're trying to. She didn't think it through because she wasn't ever planning to come back to this. Okay, and so then they're like, well, how do they get there? And they're like, oh, um, uh, one night a year. <laughs> Well, well, there's a okay. Hang on, there's a magical night one night a year when Alarians can can teleport. Yep, that's it. That's how. That's they just all teleport there. Yeah. So whoever just, created this Alarian magic rite, the blood yeah. rite, that's some super sicko power right there. I mean, what the fuck is right. what that whole thing is? Like is, n- any kind of powerful creature. Yeah. It's not powerful anymore. Nope. Oh, you are a god that created the universe? Not today. Not today. Not, not today. The, not, 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 not in the, the blood right. Not, not in, in the, the Hunger Games. Not in the three square mile <laughs> radius around this mountain. Oh, the Aramulod. <laughs> what is it <laughs> for this weekend? What's the, mo- what's the mountain called? Remiel? Remiel something. something. I call it Romulod. I don't know. It was very, it's like Romulus and Remus, though, like. Yeah, yeah. right, 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 right. So, I respect this book. I love this book. I'm sorry. I can't remember the you, names. You can love something and criticize something. Right. This is my philosophy in life. Yeah. It's like, I love Forever Night. Well, and I. But if you've ever listened to any of our episodes. Right. I am hypercritical of the episodes because that's, that's part of how I love it. That's what's so fun about it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't think about it. Right. I would just be like, oh, it's all right. <laughs> but if I I've put this much work into it, it's because I enjoyed it, right? And so I wanted to think about. Well, all and these I things. am always a, like that about things that I love. I just for some reason my brain won't remember specific details, so I will associate it with something else. Like this mountain is Romulod, yeah. <laughs> like the sauce <laughs> that is delicious on a crab cake, yeah. Well, that's fair. And there's a star above it, and Reese has him on his knees, yeah. Anyway, so there's this scene where, okay, so the queen shows up somehow without anybody. She's just relying on this group crown. of Valerians to, yeah. to defend her or whatever, or her yeah. crown. Yeah, she can just do whatever because she's got the crown. All right, so she appears in the mountainside because the death god has winnowed her there. And this is a solely to snatch or kill Nesta. Right. Because Nesta stole the power of creation out of sheer fucking spite. Is what she did. Her special set of human skills, which is skills, which is stubborn spite. So he, she tells Cassian (laughs) to kill Nesta, or to kill, kill. Yeah. And so he chooses to kill himself, even though he could have killed um, Briallen. Just pointing that out. Yeah. If 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 it was vague enough that he could kill himself, he he could could have also tried to kill. But anyway, so he quote stabs himself, and she literally like tears down. The, the fabric of reality. Seriously. Yeah. Because like, the sun comes up simultaneously. She's like, not today. <laughs> she, I love it when it's like the books in Helian's Lee Pace. Yeah. <laughs> the book in Helian's libraries fell. Yeah. It almost, it's probably what sent Farah into, into labor, to I mean, be it, honest. Because like the oceans the time, went away and then came back. The tides changed. The tides changed. Right. I mean, she was like, uh, no. No, no. And then she melts Brianna, which I love how she makes her young first. I know. She's like, you got what you want. You like it? Well, now you're a black smear on the rocks on the side of this yeah, mountain. Yeah, now you're nothing. Now you are nothing. She, and Cassie is like, you just unmate her. 
Well, then she rolls him over and he hasn't even stabbed himself. Yeah, he stopped. It was great. He's just like, well, I thought I would lay low while you like work that out or whatever. Yeah. But he's the, like, I just gonna let you do your so thing. So the ending I was waiting for here was that he had actually stabbed himself and she needed to get him to the rock to teleport them both back. Because they heal magically. Because we've pointed out multiple times that once you get teleported back, you're magically healed. Yep. Of all wounds. So why they didn't they just take Farah and the baby up to the damn rock? Yeah. Oh, wait, did we just figure out a magical <laughs> loophole how to save Farah? Since we can, I mean, Reese can winnow anywhere. Yeah, anywhere winnow to everywhere. the top. Yeah. Well, they can't do that. They can't winnow up there for some reason because of the Lillarian superpowers. <laughs> because. <laughs> because Sarah J. Mass is an excellent character writer. Right. But a world builder. It's not where it's she just shines. inconsistent. It's just inconsistent. It's not like Sanderson who can just build this like incredible well, magic system. He and he is this magical outlier of like world building magic system. His characters are getting better, right? They're at least he, better. he can write women now. Yeah, Sign, he's yeah. working on it. Yeah, but he just has this. You know what he can't write though? Fucking smut. <laughs> Have fun at Brigham Young because he's not writing any spice. <laughs> so sometimes I need there to just be, I oh, guess there's probably know. fanfic out there. I should read some Way of the King's fanfic. What? Listen to, anyways, sorry. Yeah. A lot of guys don't go there. They don't. Well, they probably shouldn't because you know what ends up happening? A lot of rape. Mm. Like Martin. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when guys try to write. I always All get uncomfortable about a male author that includes a lot of rape. I know because it's because it's all about power and, and it's, like it's not about it gets very like is this a are you enacting some kind of fantasy well through your writing right now yeah is it's this something all power you I can't even imagine imagining it happening enough to write it down as many times as George R. R. Martin does yeah that's probably why you should have just like take a break yeah take a break and write these textbooks they become honestly the textbook type stories didn't he give up i thought he gave oh up. He, yeah we're not getting an end they've ruined it i don't even want to i don't want to be sad so let's just okay sorry move on i don't want to fucking talk about the worst <laughs> ending to a fucking series of all fucking time best oh my most valuable ip of all time and they ruined it and it's worth yeah. nothing and but i digress it when he writes the textbooks, right, when he does it in the way that he wrote um, the most recent one. Um, oh, my God. See, I can't remember any names. I didn't take my medicine on I, uh. so I have no names in my brain. Um, the most recent one, which is written more like a textbook from several different POVs of what the story could be, it translates into TV shows way, way better. Yeah. That's what he needs to do. So don't don't let us let the writers of the shows kind of put it together, adapt it, but no more books from you, sir. Mm. I'll never forgive you. Ever. You know who is an excellent character writer and world builder is Naomi Novik. Have what ever, does she write? She the ones that I've read are the um I think it's Temeraire series, but it's a um a reimagining of the British military if they had dragons oh okay oh okay yeah let me check that out so i've already it's like got the like napoleonic war read it's like I, the napoleonic war okay um, but with dragons but with dragons are they worms are they 
dragon. They're dragon, and they have like there's only certain types, and then they're like they have different roles in the core, and you will like they'll have a handler that bonds with them, and then they're the one they're like their pilot. Yeah, and it's really good. Yeah, I'll check that out. The whole series. Is there and magic? Yeah, no, just the dragons. I mean, well, my dragons are pretty magical. Um, and she has written some newer books that I've actually seen on Bookstagram or whatever. Yeah. Where people are like, oh, this is a good book. It's by Naomi Novik. And I was like, oh, glad. I'm so glad Naomi's still around. Yeah. Because like, those are older. The Yeah. I picked up a new book this week, but I won't remember the name of it. So it was on Kindle Unlimited. A lot of people said they liked it, but it's fine. It's about vampires. It's a vampire oh. book. Magical fantasy vampires. I kind of like it when vampires are in the fantasy more than like just a vampire yeah. universe. When they like also coexist with like fairies and werewolves and as just another supernatural creature yeah. in a whole other group of supernatural creatures. Yes. Yeah. I, I prefer that kind of vampire universe to be honest. And that's what Crescent City's like, but there aren't really no there are not really any good vampires in it so far. I'm hoping. She just flared her nose. <laughs> the Serpent in the Wings of Night is the new book I am trying to read yeah. as also I read Murder Bots. So. I'll write that down. Yep. And it's on Kindle Unlimited. Um, Which I have. What is, what were we talking about though? I wanted the ending. Oh yeah. To be her ending. dragging, her getting Cassie into the pillar and getting them both. Instead of this weird loophole where he stabbed himself, but he didn't stab himself. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, he was ordered to kill. He was ordered by this crown that nobody can nobody can disobey to kill. And so he tried to kill himself, but he doesn't. Which it feels like it cheapens the ending. That he didn't actually stab himself. He was just like, psych. Well, it was only the first you ending. Thought. It was the first ending. Yeah. And we had another ending to get to. Right. So we couldn't complicate it too much. Because that would have been a really good ending ending. Yeah. But then Farah went into labor. Right. And since we can't do magical C-sections, that's outside the realm of things that we can do. We can, like, put people's legs back on and shit. But we can't, <laughs> we can't cut a, we can't get a baby out. I know. It's high stakes. <sighs> okay. Magical fairy wombs. I feel like this poor healer. Does she have assistance? Magia? Yeah. I mean, she doesn't. Because she know. must just live at their house. Yeah, because she's just always put her, putting like, shredded ribbons back together. Uh, here I am again. <laughs> Your wings are in ribbons again. I know. Who's, who's, <laughs> oh, good. You brought back a finger bone. I can probably figure this out. <laughs> she's just. <laughs> oh, finger bone. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get this. <laughs> we'll get this. We'll get this. We'll just, um, I can regrow this. Person. But I, I actually really like this last scene. I will say this. I think this is a really cool it's, last scene. It's a good resolution for Nesta because it's the most selfless thing that she does. Because Feyre has given absolutely everything, everything for her. And I was crying. I was sobbing. I know you're supposed to be, and I was. When that baby comes out and he's not alive. Yeah. Um, and Reese is screaming because he's losing literally everything. Yeah. And Nesta just grabs this magical 26 realm harp. I know. She just Bing. shows up. She's wearing the crown, the All mask, of it. And she's just like, I'll face it. 
just a minute. I'm going to fix just, it for you. Oh, we're going straight to the long string. Yeah. Zing. She's like, and time the, itself. That's what I'm stops. about to manipulate. Meanwhile, Aaron like sees it happens and like looks over at her and like pauses and is like, what? You know, everybody's frozen in time. Yeah. I love the image of, <laughs> she's, it's like Cassian is like grinding his teeth, like trying to pull him back. And yeah. It's sad. It's really sad. And she does it. And it's kind of a little bit confusing that she's just like, I'll give it back. Literally, that's all you had. She had to, she willed it into her. Yeah. And then she wills it back. Yeah. And she, and all of a sudden there's this mother, sentient mother character. Yeah. Which we never met in the actual cauldron. Well, they, they say stuff to the mother all the time. By the mother. Right. I get that. But we've not, like, wouldn't Nesta have communed or communicated with her before Well, she does now? in the bog. When she hears the woman right. saying run. But like maybe right. in the cauldron. Right. You know what? She was spelled so that everybody forgot about her <laughs> until just that moment. <laughs> right. Okay. One of true, her true, special true, true. human skills is she can literally fucking talk to God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's that is it. her yes. special human yeah. skill. Right. Nesta is so far in her healing journey that she has she literally communed yeah. with the cosmos. She has. Literally. Literally. Well, and there are there are a couple places in this book, and I think it's important to mention, knowing where some of our other series are going, of the 26 realms, and she zooms out. We get these like micro glimpses of these macro things, and I just want to know so much more about it, and we probably won't for another book or so. Yeah. But, we may never know. <laughs> just oh, we're going to know because some, some shit goes down. Like, we already, I mean, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't we'll tell there. you about it. We'll get there. But there's, there are already things happening in her universe where these things are starting kind of to, to overlap. Okay. So I really want to, now that I, um, I'm going to take this book back and kind of highlight some of those parts, break it down. And um, we'll have to do another pod later in the future where we review where we're at. Maybe when she announces a release date for the next one of them. Crescent City 3. Then we can read through 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do Throne of Glass 2 at some point, but it's fine. It's fine. Is Throne of Glass finished? Uh, kind. Yeah. There's eight. Okay. Eight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have we talked we, about how we'll I never a, go past like the second uh, or third book in a series? A couple times, almost every podcast, <laughs> yeah. almost every podcast. Um, but this is what we'll do: we'll take a break. I also have another friend who is like a veteran of these books too. I'm like, maybe we get a third mic and bring a special guest on. That would be fun and help. Like she can, because she's not. She's been into this stuff for like a long time. So she, and she's listening. Oh my gosh! I know. <laughs> Hey Hannah. Hi, hi, whoever you are. <laughs> Her name's Hannah. She's great. Um, but she she's been listening for a really long time. Funny story about her. I'm literally at a like continuing education real estate thing. I have this book. I it's the my first copy of uh, Silver Flames. I she's just sitting next to me. We've just gone through the whole class. I randomly pull out this book and go, Hey, have you ever read these? And she goes, uh. <laughs> Um Oh my God, like every single Sarah J. Mass book has like sweatshirts, yeah. hoodies, like a freaking 
mountain with three stars on her phone like super fa- super fan that's super a veteran nice. so i actually i had lunch with her today i was like have you been listening to the podcast <laughs> like what are like what do you what do you think she's like yeah i'm listening i like them you know but yeah obviously obviously <laughs> anyway so i just thought it'd be cool if we had someone who'd been you know come on yeah a, a veteran of the a veteran a of, fan like a I'm not not a fan They're right fine. but you just introduced it to it it's it's a new obsession for me and she's been reading these books for like years yeah and like still in love with them right so I, I don't know, know I just thought I've ever like stand for a property like that yeah that's what I'm that's a great way to like a, a veteran stand yeah like die hard every single book that comes out. The night it comes out, reading through it, reading it, read through them. I like this enough now towards to where they will be a part of my life forever, if that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm trying to think if there's anyone that, there's like a couple of books. I have a couple comfort books that I'll read over and over again, but they're rarely series. Right. Well, I get really, I get really into stuff, but I'm, I'm like that about a lot of different things. Like. The moment the next um, Cosmere book comes out, I'll grab it and read it, you know? Yeah. If a Potter book ever came back, I mean, she's done, but you know what I mean? Like, Harry Potter was like that for me. And I love having things that I can feel really intensely about. And I don't really have that with Marvel anymore because they've gone a different direction with their shit. Yeah. So, you know, things you can get super excited about. But anyways, just thoughts, shots. Still thinking. That's probably tied into my, just. I'm generally, se- not secretive, I don't want to put it that way, but I'm not like overt about whatever my interests would be. Well, and yeah, and that's okay. This you don't like have a, just to like. like a, I don't know. Just growing up, it wasn't like a thing. You weren't, didn't advertise what you were interested in because then it just got made fun of. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I still do that where I'm like, I'll really love a thing, but it's really, really hard for me to share it with somebody because I don't want to put that out there just to hear how much, how silly that makes me. Oh, that is not a good thing. Right. Which is why I started a podcast about these things. Where that I'm you literally love. telling everybody how about what I love. love because this is part of me trying to, trying to, it's okay for me to love things and for other people to know that I love them. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. And being connected to the things that you love makes you more you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I've always been like any ADHD kid obsessive about things and a completionist. Yeah. So I can't do, that's why I have a hard time starting things that are really long. Because you're going to have to finish it. I have to. And I have to do it. From the beginning to the end. Yeah. I cannot pick up on Buffy season three. I have to watch season one and two, which I started doing. <laughs> so now, yeah. So, you know, I I have to do it all the way through. I can't do it at all. And I love being able to know a, a universe or a, you know, so well that you catch all of the things. Yes. So there's a part in this book where they talk, they mention it, and we've talked about this before. Reese talks about a a red shooting star. Yeah. That is a character 
a very, very important character from Throne of Glass. Like bebopping through the universe. Oh. Yeah. So that is the first time that we see her pull these realms together. together. And she does it again in another series. That's why I know there's an endgame coming. I know that there is going to be a storyline where she converges. And all of a sudden, these characters that we thought were done are going to pop back up again. We're all going to cry and hold hands and talk about it on a podcast. That's what I'm preparing you for. But we got to get there slowly. Yeah. I'm preparing there to be one other person I know that wants to talk about this stuff with me. <laughs> well, but she's I love, got a lot. If her books are all that big. She's got a long way to go. Yeah. yeah. And But I love your point of view on things because – I love so blindly sometimes that I'm I'm not even really sure what I'm feeling about it. I just know I liked it. Yeah. Right? But I think that you have a very, um, like, critical approach to things. And, like, not critical, analytical. That's analytical, a better word. Yeah. I don't mean, like... Critical, it, critical doesn't mean bad. Yeah. You're just... Yeah. You are very aware of what you're reading and what you're feeling when you're reading it. And you're able to go... Like, it takes me a minute to be able to say like when I was watching Blood Origin <laughs> I was like I don't really like this but I'm not really sure why right like I have to sit on it and think it and pull back and go why didn't I like that what about that didn't I'm just not used to unpacking why I don't like something that's what I like to do if that's what I enjoy doing if I like it okay why did I like it if I didn't like it well then what did I not like right. about it and that piece of critical thinking is new to me <laughs> you're like Critical i just thing. hated it well why well not why but just uh, i didn't like it yeah. i don't know nope. I don't i'm know. not sure i think it had something to do with um the plot sucking <laughs> <laughs> i think that's I what it was which is why i love listening to podcasters so much i yeah. love listening to people talk about it so that i'm like oh yeah that's what i was feeling i just yeah. didn't know that um and you get better at it as you especially you know, like, here's a great example. Our buddy, we have a mutual buddy who always says stuff like, oh, I can't do it like you guys do it. I can't talk about it like you guys talk about it. Well, that's just because you're not used yeah, to it. You haven't practiced it. You're not thinking about it. Yeah. You're not going, oh, why did I love this thing? Why did this happen? Why? What was so great about this character? You're just not used to doing it. So once you get to the point where you're used to doing it, you're just like, let's go. <laughs> Well, I'm always hypercritical, not hyper analytical. analytical about writing and writing styles. Right. And so generally that's what will take me out of a book or make me put a book down is if it's poorly written. If the characters are great, I'll stick with it. I don't care if your plot sucks. Absolutely. There's a book series that I really love, which is Reverse Harem, so I'm going to warn you in advance. Okay. But the first one's called Friends with Monsters. Okay. And there's a second one. I think it's like... I forget what the title of the second one is, but there's a second one. And there's a plot. I know there's a plot. I kind of remember what the plot is, but I don't give a shit because the characters are so good and they're so well written that I read I read it and I've read it more than once. And it's just a fun Is it fantasy? It's fantasy. Oh, I'll check it out. Yeah. I I need to start doing some reverse harem yeah. instead of all this faded mate bullshit. Still faded mates. Oh, okay. But you, but you don't only get one. Oh, several faded <laughs> mates. Several. That would be better. That would have been better for me yeah. over the past year. Which but. is really funny because <laughs> normally in the world that this book occupies, you don't. It's like one-to-one. -one. 
And when these three guys found out that they were all fated mates to this one woman, they decided to just stay away from her because then she wouldn't have to choose. And so eventually they can't anymore. They end up in her life. And they're like, well, we didn't want you to have to choose. And she's like, I'm not choosing. She's like, why, why would I when I can have all three of you? Wow. And you're like, okay. Well, I wandered into that book not knowing what reverse harem was. Right. Um, R-H. You'll see it. You'll see it abbreviated on the talk, on the book talk. (laughs) No, I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay, whatever. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. Yes, but well-written, terrible plot. Uh, Just because your plot's terrible doesn't mean the book's not well-written. Sarah J. Mass is a beautiful writer. Everything she writes is really well done. That's why I was able to finish each book. Right. But plot-wise, she's not the best plotter, and that's okay. It's fine. It's not her strong suit. That's why we ended up with like 16 endings at the end of... Wings and the wings and ruin. Yeah, because she had written herself into all of these things. She needed to write her. She needed all of these characters. They're probably all coming back, yeah. or they're going to be important later in her series. So they had to be introduced here. But she didn't really have a good way to introduce them. She didn't have a good way to put them in and put them out. So she right. just threw them in, and then yanked them out. Well, and in all honesty, I don't even care. By the time I got exactly. to this book, I don't care. Exactly. I love this book. Because she's such a good writer, you're fine with it. Yeah. I love her characters. Like, I love this book. I'm crying. I'm sitting in my car crying, <laughs> listening to this like, book. I, I love you, Sarah J. Mass, and I'm fine with any whatever you want to give me. Yeah. It's great. I like it. It's fine. Let's do it. Yeah. And I And I want her to, and maybe, you know, I'm sure that writers read some of the critics critical reviews of their books and take some of it and try and work on it so maybe as like i'm i'm sure there's a lot of calling i know there is these books have huge fandoms there are several podcasts lots of women out there lots of humans out there reading these books and talking about them so i imagine when people are calling and longing for more of the like tell me more uh, let's go macro yeah i want more of this story i want to know Lucian, when Lucian met the daddy and Vessa, what that's not Vasa. Vasa, and they all met. Tell me that story. Yeah. Tell me the story of let's get some more Amarin. Let's get some Amarin short stories. When Amarin yeah. was just angel, angel, just doing babe, her thing. angel yeah. warrior. Or when she first came out as a high fae, like she first walked out of the prison in her new high fae body. body. I want that story of right. like when Amarin walked in probably naked to her first settlement and was like, teach me how to be like you. Right. <laughs> but she didn't have to pee. Right. She didn't have to right. use the bathroom. Yeah. And, or, you know, I want to hear more about the wild hunt. Like that is such a common she's thrown us a lot trope. of she's thrown us a lot of breadcrumbs yeah that we i want to know more i want to know more about. i want to nibble on that yeah it's like blueberry muffin crumbs. it's like there's a meal happening in the other room right and well, we haven't gotten to have any part of it i want to and i, I want to like i, I want to too yeah. yeah she's a chef and i'm let's go yeah. let's let's nibble yeah she's left herself open for a lot of like extra story yes yeah very much so. So she can write these little books while she's writing these bigger books. And I think there is a day. I think Crescent City 3 does come out next year. So maybe we'll touch back. So It's okay. Cool. Yeah, we can meander away for a little bit, do some hard sci-fi. Yeah, do some Murderbox. Yep. Um, Which we can do Murderbot all in one. 
Okay. Because it's novellas in one book. Okay. So, if you want, yeah. Yeah. If you want to break you it up into a couple. We can break them up into the novellas in the book. Yeah. Well, I feel like we should come back to this a little bit. So, oh, I guess whatever. Yeah, the book we're supposed to be talking. Yeah, about. <laughs> and well, and just kind of wrapping. We've been talking. Yeah, about, we're and wrapping just, up Sarah J. Mass. Yeah, and we are wrapping up for now. And just like this book ends on a happy note. We get a wedding. Yeah, we don't get to go to the wedding. She does not do weddings. It's actually kind of a joke. I'll send you some memes about it. But <laughs> like, she refuses to write a wedding. Um, but Nesta, oh, Nesta. Being the princess that she's always wanted to be, Reese, like, oh, I love that part. Let's talk about that. The last scene of that last tumultuous, dramatic chapter, it's Nesta and Reese just, like, hugging it the fuck out. Yeah. Like, you saved my whole world. And her going, thank you so much. This is my world, too. Yeah. And just that, like, moment. Mm, tears. I got some tears in yeah. my eyes. That we both love the same people. Yes. Yeah. And you're my brother. And I'm here for you. And then he just showers her with gifts and gives her this big, elaborate, small wedding. Gives her a whole ass house. A mountain. Gives her the house of wind. He's like, well, you made it, so it's yours anyway. Yeah, I really wish that I need somebody out there to draw some pictures of the house of wind. Yeah. I haven't seen enough fan art about it. I haven't really looked for any, though. I did start following someone on Patreon that does... um, a lot of drawings for this. I was like, she's really good and I like her stuff. And she doesn't use, there's a lot of people using AI right now. Yeah. Have you seen that big controversy? Oh, like, yeah. Real artists saying like, they are using our art. Right. To make this AI stuff. Yes. And AI we're not is, getting credit for it. AI is a controversy that has been brewing for, for a, a minute while. Because in the art verse. Because once you put everything on the internet, it's out there for AI to sample. And so I was trying to explain it to somebody there. Like, I don't see the problem. Like, well, if I tell this AI that I want a painting of me in your style, it can go and find all of your artwork. It can sample your style and it can create that painting for me. Is that yours? Is that the AI's? It's in your style. Your artwork was used to create it but it's not yours or is it yours? And it's just this huge question right. that we haven't had to answer because Intellect the technology and hasn't it's been like there. Intel it's in is it intellectual property? Is that the right way to yeah. kind of... Which is not a conversation that hasn't happened before. There was another artist, um, a photographer, who went to another photographer's exhibit and he went around and took pictures of all of the other guy's pictures and then displayed the pictures of his pictures as his exhibit. As a, the point was... Whose artwork is it now? I took the photograph, but the photograph that I took was of your photograph. Who owns it? So who owns it? Like, and it becomes this idea of ownership. Yeah. And monetizing. Where does the artwork lie? What What is the artwork? Is the eye, is it the eye of the beholder? Is it the creator of the thing? Yeah. Like, whose is it? Yeah. And then what separates the AI creation from actual artwork? Right. Well, it's just like, you know, they don't have to use James Earl Jones' voice anymore for Vader. Yeah. At all. They, they just... Don't, they don't have to use it. None of the new Vader voice, it's his, but it's all samples. of his... It's his samples. Yeah. It's a computer. Yeah. So does he get paid for that? I'm sure. Well, that's it's how his... they did Val Kilmer, I guess, in Top Gun at the very beginning of the sequel. 
Because Val Kilmer doesn't, I mean, he, he had throat cancer. He can't. Well, he talks, but just a little bit. He doesn't have any lines. Yeah, but the, any all of his vocalization they created with the with well, the computer. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, he only says like, "Let it go." <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. The kid needs you. You need the kid. That's like literally. I think the lot the extent right, of but the line. He lines. can't like he doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I keep hoping he's going to show up in Willow. What's today? Oh, there's a new episode of Willow. Wait, what's today? Oh, God. Thursday, right? Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. There's a new episode of Willow. I'll watch that tonight. Yeah. Blood Origin with The Witcher, though. (laughs) Oh, I saw another good little fantasy movie. It's called um, School of Good and Evil. I saw that on there, but I haven't watched it. It's good. It's super cute. It's just the worth. It's well done. Yeah, just fun. Charlize Theron. I always love Charlize Theron. Oh, yeah, she's great. Olivia Pope. What's Olivia Pope's real name? Carrie Washington. Sorry. Um, did you ever watch that? Olivia Pope. Uh, what's the name of that show? It was a Shonda Rice show. I kept my brain. Yeah, Literally, this is like early onset Alzheimer's, I think. <laughs> well, we were talking about AI. But I have seen a lot of people where people put up pictures and they're like AI with alterations or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this is where we will figure out. It was the same thing that happened to artists when you got the photograph. Is prior to that, it was not really art. Like painting wasn't necessarily art. It was a technical skill. Could you accurately represent somebody in a painting? Right. Because that was how you were preserved. Your image was preserved. Right. So you didn't go to somebody to get a impressionistic rendering of yourself. You, you went to get a realistic, a, photo a realistic of photo of you. So when you could take a photo and something that cost, it was out of everyone's price range, except to select few and took months now could take 15 minutes right and it was accessible to everybody well that freed art from being a purely technical skill you didn't ha- you could be van gogh like that was everybody's criticism of van gogh is why well, it doesn't look like me that's why at the time he was controversial because he wasn't creating an accurate representation of reality which was what art was supposed to be doing right and so once you got the photograph they didn't, you didn't have to the photograph could do that. We didn't need to anymore. Right. And so now the next step will be, well, if an AI can create your artwork, how do you differentiate yourself from that? Right. Yeah. And and it really does boil down to monetization and yeah. artists being able to survive as artists and not having to work at the coffee shop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really tough. I mean, I... I I, I think about that all the time with like actors. Like how do they make money these days? Right? How are they making money? How does Netflix make money besides the membership? Yeah, but I mean, I guess that $20 a month, which is what it costs now. Yeah. For multi-millions. But that's so like, I don't know. Like do you get it paid per view? Per stream? Per stream? I'm not sure what Netflix's revenue is. A lot of times they're sponsored. You just don't see them. Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm really fascinated by. I think there's a whole... Is it Ben Affleck and Matt Damon that are trying to redefine how they're... Because they stopped... They stopped being a market for, like, small movies. Yeah. Because there wasn't a way to make... Small movies make money in the DVDs. Yeah. In the aftermarket. And yeah. they stopped having that. So now they're trying to figure out, how do we make these small stories again? 
and it make money so that people are actually making them. I've seen a lot. It just, it feels to me like there's been an excess amount of criticism of a lot of the properties that have been coming out recently. I see very few positive reviews. Like this was amazing and we all loved it. Oh, I'll tell you something that was amazing that everybody loved. Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when Willow came out, it was very much immediately like, well, nobody, nobody likes it. None of the fans like it or whatever. And so everything that comes out, it's like, well, no, but this person doesn't like it because so whatever. Well, it, it's not enough like it was. It's more how it is going to have to be. Yeah. And Willow is a fantasy story that needs new blood. It needs new fans. Yeah. So it cannot be just for us millennials who watched Willow when we were five, six, seven years old. Yeah. It has to be written for new new young kids. Yeah. So it's funny. They have pop music and like modern contemporary music in it. Um, it's written with real. It's got that like witty that thing Marvel does where, and James Gunn does where it's very Joss Whedon, the like tongue in cheek. Yes. Yeah. Joss Whedon, very much so. Yeah. T- tongue in cheek, like funny. Yeah. You're like, why is this, why is she so clean in this fantasy show? Why is she so funny? You know? But at the same time, I kind of like it. I like it when it's smart. Yeah. I'm okay with a little bit of a refresh. I feel like we've been getting a lot of fan service. That's probably the problem. And it's- fan service that's not good. Yeah. Like Obi Wan. Yeah. Did you watch Obi Wan? No. Oh, girl. It takes me a long time to work through. I, I get franchise fatigue. I know you do. So fast. And I'm like, like I said, a perfectionist, yeah. completionist where I'm, I, but I, but I, I am lucky and grateful because I don't have kids. I have a lot of time on my hands. So I have plenty of time to keep up on a weekly basis on a lot of different shows. And so... I just have a lot of time, right? And so if I don't have a show to watch, I'm like, well, what am I going to do with my life? I guess I could go outside. I mean, I, I like guess to, I could go outside. I respect TV as a hobby. Yeah. And I respect following TV and movies and yeah. your genres and everything. That's, I, I'm more, I'm happy for people who do that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of do, do that, yeah. And I actually watch very little TV, not just because of the kids, but because I really struggle with a lot of the way new TV is structured. Sure. I just, it's really hard for me. I will, I have to know where something's going. I know. That's really funny. I have to. Yeah. And And I I love the nuance, like the novelty of not knowing. I don't uh watch stuff more than once. No. I have to know how it ends. I will, and like episodic stuff, I can't stand. So you, so that, so that means that you feel uncomfortable and anxious yeah. with a show like with like basically tv yeah 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 like i don't and know if where- i'm really invested if it's really good and i'm enjoying it i'll stop watching it until the last episode airs and then i'll watch the last episode and then i'll go back because oh my I, god that is psycho i can't you're relax. a psychopath <laughs> oh my god you're a psychopath <laughs> i can't relax and enjoy it if i don't know how it's gonna end that's so because I and I'll do the same thing with books because I'll get so anxious about how it's going to end that I can't just read the book. So you almost prefer spoilers. Yeah, I don't care if I get something gets spoiled. I have you, and you still have the ability to enjoy it. Yeah, because I'm not necessarily enjoying. 
not knowing where we're going. I I'm enjoying not the- like that. If you spoil something for me, <laughs> I will. Like I got to a point with Game of Thrones where I don't want to watch it with anybody. I want to watch it alone. I want to be with my own feelings. I want to experience the show authentically. And then maybe on the second viewing, we can watch it together and you can talk. Yeah. But like, that's how serious I got about, that's how serious I can be about TV. Like, I was like that about Mandalorian. There's been several shows. Do not fuck with my morning, my my showtime. I need to experience this alone <laughs> but also i want people to talk about it with yeah. <laughs> later after i've watched it by myself yeah after yeah. i've watched it by myself and i know how i feel about it because it's so easy to be taken out don't take me out of the show i need to be you know and i've seen episodes episodes of tv where you're like standing up watching it because it's so good. Like my son will jump. He gets the hops. He calls it the hops. Where if something's, it, it gets really good. He gets up and jumps up and down. Yeah. If yeah, we go to I a movie, that. we have to sit like on the bottom in the corner because he needs space to be able to process whatever's happening. Oh, if that's he's funny. Really enjoying the movie. Yeah. He's up. He's bouncing up and down. He's moving. Yeah. He can't. He's like it's stimulated just, by what's it happening. Just overcomes him, and he's so he loves story. He loves movies. He yeah. loves all those kinds of things. Right. And it, it affects him so deeply. He just gets so excited about it. Right. Right. I didn't earlier. Let me just rephrase. I I'm not grateful that I don't have kids. I'm just trying to be grateful that I don't have kids. <laughs> It's it is a it's perk. a process. It's a perk that yeah. You, and I'm you trying to be time. like, I am a 40 year old woman with no children. This is how my life is. This is where I'm at, and that's okay. So it's it's more of a projection than it is me being like, yeah, I don't have any fucking kids. Hooray! <laughs> I'm like, I love children, but you know, I just I needed to put that out there. Yeah, and not you. feel like an asshole. That's like. <laughs> I love not having children. There's a lot of people out there like that. And they are. And that's fine. Yeah. If you didn't want kids, please. But I did not want kids. Them. So it's just you, we all have our lives that we have to, right? Yeah. Sometimes people have children and they realize maybe they shouldn't have had kids. I'm glad you're not like that. No, I like them. I know. You got great kids. Got the collector set and then I was done. <laughs> Boy and girl. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And now you're just thinking of reasons why you don't need dogs. Yeah. It's not that hard. But <laughs> speaking of dogs, my little dog got his balls cut off today. My little sweet baby. He's at home. He was so like in his little cone. Aww. He's just like looks so pathetic. And it's such a big surgery. I feel so bad for him. But I mean, we that's what we gotta we do. We gotta do it. I know. It's it felt pets. really like I Pippin was the first cat that I had like I usually got them already fixed. So oh, he right. was the first one that I had to make the appointment and right. take him to get him fixed. And it felt so, I was just like, I am so sorry I'm making this decision for you. Buddy. I know. I, like, I feel I really, like that. I was like, I'm so, this is for you. This is important. This is going to like make your life better long term. But I am so sorry. I can't explain to you what's, why I am yeah, doing this. Yeah, why we're having this major yeah. thing done to you. And my little guys, they, he, he was so, he's just so ball forward. Like he just like naps upside down and they're just like, there and as a mom of this little dog i'm just like what the fuck are those (laughs) why are they there they never had any hair they were just like really ball forward and so i mean they're gone now 
Yeah. My little buddy, he's just a little buddy now. Yeah. Is he going to lose all his muscle? He's so muscly. No, probably not. Yeah. But he's at home healing. Anyways, Sarah J. Mass, let's, let's, let's do some questions, Rachel. So sure, go for it. Let, why don't you tell me, favorite book. We've read five. You got through five of them. Yeah. So which one did you enjoy the most? I liked uh, Silver Flames the most. Thank you. Yes, because I think that her character forward writing is her where she shines. And, and so this is we the- really only get that in the first one and the last one. And in the first one, I don't think she had settled into this world. And so this is our, she's settled into the world. She's back in her wheelhouse. She's, and she really, she's been waiting to tell Nesta's story. I know. And you can tell. Yeah. I love this book too. And I, so much more. I love them all. And I'm really into this universe. And I'm really excited that in 2022, I came upon these books and read all of her books and it was a great year and I'm sad that I don't know who has a plethora of books for me to read in 2023 we'll find somebody yeah and she'll maybe you know she'll write another book but and there's so many fantasy great fantasy stories out romanticies out there I want to read some reverse harem just to uh expand on my spicy um see what else I like (laughs) See had what you, else? Had you not read spicy books? No, like this not before? really. No, Mm-mm. that's really funny. I know. I just did it. I was like, oh, I'm not reading. I don't need that. I read almost exclusively books like this. Yeah. So when I got to Court of Silver Flames and I finished it, I was talking to my sister and I was like, I don't understand why you said that was problematic. Like, I think it's problematic if you're a middle school librarian mm. or you're a kids librarian. You didn't and need to have these in your library. Library. And it would be problematic if you were a parent like even 16 right even i mean this is like staying up late to watch real sex on hbo yeah you know yeah and we weren't you didn't want to get caught doing that when you're 16 like this book is not like the first book it is not like the first four books i mean chapter 55 of right, that's the first time we get yeah. that like super smart. But that's in that's deep. We're we're deep into the yeah. We're well sheathed. We're well sheathed, and <laughs> we're we're seated to the hilt by the time we get chapter fifty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, what's also amazing is I think her ability to write good smut. I think she's good at writing smut. She did fine. Yeah, with the exception, it's hard to listen to it because of what I said earlier. As a narrator, it's got to be really hard to do these scenes really well from both the male and the female perspective. Yes. Um, but I like I like her scenes. I think they're intriguing. I don't want to fast forward through them. Something about Nesta and Cassian's, and it's because they weren't together. And I think it's because it's from Cassian's point of view. Almost so every hard. sex scene is from Cassian's point of view. Yeah. It's not from, and then when we get Rasand and Feyre, it's always from Feyre's point of view. That's probably really dead on. So we are getting the male perspective. And he's such a giver. And it's him like reacting to what she wants, what's happening with her. It's right. him reading what's happening with her and reacting to her. Right. Instead and of her just like gushing over how hot 
and how giant his dick is. It's watching him perform and pleasure and enjoy. Like you're getting a glimpse of what you always hope a guy's thinking about. Yeah. This guy's actually thinking about like awesome. Right. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And he's hot as shit. In my mind. Yeah. He's a very strong, handsome man. Uh, it. I did think about <laughs> I the first pod we did when you were saying how sometimes it's so big they have to like <laughs> warm them up, yeah. stretch them out. Yeah, you got to use the beads. We first. do that quite a bit. This one, the, yeah. yeah, she has to do that. But Ness is really little, and he's a oh, very large man. Yeah. So a little bit of that. But I thought that the spicy scenes were really well done. I never really wanted. I find myself giggling and enjoying them versus. Towards the end of Farah and Reese's, I I fast forward. I'm like, I'm done. I don't want to listen anymore. Yeah. And that might be what it is. I think that's a really good call. Um, but I'm but Crescent City, nothing like this. So mm-hmm. it's like we're eager for more oh. Sarah J. Mass spice. It could be why, because no one was expecting that from her. No, and that that's why it's not problematic. It's just a different book. Yeah. And this book should never be in a young adult section. No, there's, um, so there's a book series. It's old now. Well, I guess she's still writing in them, but it's by Laurel K. Hamilton. And it started out with like, she's like a badass. It's like an urban fantasy. Okay. Bright, like early urban fantasy. She's like early 90s into, I think she's still writing in the series, but she's like a female necromancer, okay. but it's urban fantasy. So it's like uh, people will raise the dead to like settle a will dispute or. Uh, so it's like modern times. Yeah. Right? So she's a necromancer and she's also like the legally appointed vampire, like exterminator for this city because vampires are out. Everybody knows they exist. But if someone, if they step out of line, they have like a legal procedure that they have to go through in order to kill them. (laughs) And anyway, it's better than it sounds. But (laughs) for the first three or four books, it's, there's no sex. Um, We've got hot vampire guy. We've got hot werewolf guy, all of whom are hot for Anita Blake, who's the main character. Okay. That sounds really familiar. They've been around a long time. You've probably heard Anita of them. Anita Blake sounds super familiar. And she's like, and she is like a fun, badass female character. Right. And by the time we get to the end of, I think it's the third book, all of a sudden, just a ton of spice. And I remember, I read them when I was rather young, probably too young to get into the, which probably explains why I just read smutty books now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember getting to that part and it was like, oh, oh my God. Like it didn't, it, just suddenly switched. And we went from like adventure, urban fantasy, um, fantasy genre to like smutty romance. And I think at this point in the series, she's a succubus. So oh, wow. we've just dispensed with any not plot at all. And just were like, but she's just a sex, sex, all the sex. Sex goddess. Which I feel like I need to reread them now that I'm older and I would right. enjoy that more. Right. But that's one where it was like, if I had been reading these not knowing, if I was young, if I was 18, and I was reading these, like, oh, this is cool. It's like a 19-year-old. Or a 16-year-old. Or a 16-year-old. That's, that's the age for me where I'm like, books one through four are fine for a 16-year-old. Maybe even, I mean, at least you're There's get, a little bit. I mean, at least you're getting in the first books 
with Reese and Vera, at least you're getting a glimpse of what it looks like to have good sex with someone you love. Yeah. And that loves you. Right. And in these books, because it is a little bit more of a slut era, which is fine. We're not shaming that. No. But is that something a 16-year-old? I mean, oh, maybe. Like the silver flames. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. This is a bit, I mean, it's too, it would be too much. It would be my feeling. Not the content, but the just total saturation of content where there there is a lot. We're either having sex, we're masturbating to the idea of each other. We are but just. that's all, it's all really healthy. And it is for someone who is of age. Right. This is why and I so, would say. And, and for, so in my mind, us in a 16-year-old's head, they're of age. But in a legal age, they're not. They're not. But in my 16-year-old brain, I was I was of age. Right. right. So and you have to be kind of aware of that. Which is why you don't shelve these in young adults. Adult, right. You move these up to fantasy. Yeah. Because then if you're the 16-year-old who gets it off the shelf, you know this might be coming. You don't pick it up in the young... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Thank you for that. Um, you don't pick Sorry. it up in the young adult section thinking we're going to be, we're, we might have some spice, but it's going to be pretty PC. Yeah, because typically in young adult books, they black out. Yeah. They make reference to, but there's not a description of right. a really solid blood drop. Yeah. I mean, literally their first like three or four interactions are just oral. Yeah. And just sharing back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. There's no butt sex in any of this stuff, which I'm really surprised by. Yeah. Yeah. No, but she really likes doggy style, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, so they really like that, and um, <laughs> I split it, too, because yeah, they, they have the little nubs. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> A little poop. We're going to have to do Ice Planet. We tease it every I single know. podcast. I know. Maybe just do, like, three of them in one pot or something. Oh, there's so many. Yeah, just, but they're short, and they're really quick reads. They're and they're like, really – they're so – why are they so good? Because they're ridiculous. Yeah. The first three, you just – Read them really fast. You could read them in two hours. Yeah. It'd take me a week, but you'd throw <laughs> take them. Two hours. Yeah. <laughs> take you two hours. Oh, and here's another good, just as a, because we like book recommendations. This is another one where this isn't about sex, but categorization matters. So there's a book series called um, The Bartimaeus Trilogy. Okay. And it has three books in it. Obviously, it's a trilogy, um, but it's very might be older than Harry Potter. But it's extremely similar to Harry Potter. Okay. Really good. And it's like London with magicians. But okay. the magicians are, they don't necessarily have magic. They have the ability to summon beings that have magic. Oh. And so you get it from the point of view of one of those beings, who's Bartimaeus, and then um, a magician, which I think his name might be Nathaniel or Matthew or something okay. like that. Um, but they're great. And I actually like them better than Harry Potter, but they are completely miscategorized. They are in elementary fiction. They should not be in elementary fiction. If whoever decided to publish them and put them in elementary fiction killed this book series. If we had put it in young adult, it would be a movie. Oh. But because it's in elementary fiction and they're this thick, they're like a two and a half inches thick. Right. Nobody's checking those out because no one's reading those to their kids. Right. Um, but they're great. Yeah. Highly recommended. Right. By Jonathan Stroud. Okay. Yeah. But that's where... Are the Golden Compass... Is the Dark Materials in Young Adult? Yes. Should be. Yeah. It's not... It's not... No. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Is that is that where 
Harry Potter is? Yeah, young adult. Really? Even like when they start at 11? Yeah. I mean, it's a young adult story. It gets really serious really quick. The themes in Azkaban, by the time you get to Azkaban, you're, you're very adult themes. Right. When, when real characters, when you, when real characters die, you need to be somewhat older. Yeah. Like where the red ferns grows. Yeah. And these are, these are categorized in adult fantasy. They are, but I think at some point they were in young adult because um, when I went to buy this book at Barnes and Noble, the woman was like, "Oh, it might be in young adult," and I was like, and "I said at the counter," and I think she was annoyed by me. I was like, <laughs> "I think she might have thought that I was saying like, oh, I don't read young adult," but I was really saying like, "Yeah, these don't. This book should not be in young adult." No, this, it may have been the first group were so much were because Fair was so young. Yeah, 19, they may have been yeah. there, and then when she got to emotionally this book, it was fifty-four, like, we're gonna haul them all out, or yeah. we're gonna drop them up an adult. Yeah, so I can see where that would be controversial if that came out. If my if my sixteen-year-old brought that home, and I didn't know they were bringing that home, I would be sh- shook. Yeah, well, not that I'm not okay with a sixteen-year-old, but if I had read the first three, say, and then like my daughter and I were reading that together. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the first ones that we'd read. Yeah, I'm really unsure how I would have I would handle as an adult as a mom because I have I have conflicting I have really conflicting feelings about it. Like it's kind of like drugs and alcohol, right? Like no one was going to stop me from drinking at 16. No one. I was doing it. I was out there. I was you know would it have been a better thing for there to have been some adult supervision and right? Like letting us test our boundaries or is that a part of being a young, is that a part of being 16 is learning how to like <laughs> sneak around and pretend you're autonomous and independent. Right. I don't necessarily think you have. So there's a, some pretty good, um, <clears throat> but are you a, but are you a bad parent if you like, is, you know, like, as a parent, how are you, you know, how do you balance that? Like, you know your kids are doing it. Do you right. create safe spaces for them to do it? So there's or some, is it bad to create spaces? So there's some spaces. really good parental um, philosophy, I guess you would call it, or some sure. psychology research that suggests that one of the reasons why you act out as a teenager is because you are disenfranchised as a youth. So you aren't allowed any decisions as a child. So by the time you get to being a teenager, this is your first, suddenly everyone's like, okay, you can make your own decisions. And so you you have never practiced making your own decisions. And so, but it's like, you, you feel the need to act out because you have felt restricted your whole life. Whereas if you just give a child openness through their entire life, they never reach that wall where it's like, I have to fight to break free. Oh, I have to sneak around. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I had to fight to break free. Most of us did. I mean, most of us didn't. But like we try to be as developmentally appropriate in letting them have their choices as possible. So they have pretty much free reign as long as it's not going to harm them or others to do whatever they want. So hopefully we're never going to reach a point where they're like, and they may, because I don't know what I look like from their perception. Yeah. I mean, I was bringing books like this 
home. And mom didn't know because I didn't share anything. But but for it to be on a shelf where a parent buys it and gives it to, to their, their child. That's different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is this book. Like I said, this is staying up late at night and watching yeah. real sex on HBO and yeah. not letting your parents well, like, know. I it. read Charlene Harris. So I read the True Blood series when oh. I was in high school. So and that was pretty smutty. And that's, right? that was smutty at the time. And that's what our first like that's like HBO's first like titty titty show where yeah. we were like we can show boobs yeah. on television right and you go back and watch it now and you're like guys you can put some of them away yeah because it was very needle swing like we couldn't do any and then all of a sudden we ha- we were we were allowed to yeah and literally everyone's just walking around yeah and now you get like full frontal like full male frontal yeah and some stuff it can't be too long but <laughs> sorry <laughs> But you know what I mean? Where it was very like, oh my God, we can do it now. And right. so we did it. And that, but that was, it's interesting that it was like, that was the, oh, that was our first like sex scene and nudity on like televised. Yeah. Television. Yeah. Yep. Such whatever. a good point. Well, yeah, I totally agree. I, and I, so your sister, when she said it was problematic, she is a librarian. Yeah. And an elementary librarian at right. that, right? So yes. I can imagine her, what she had heard about this book is like, oh shit, this book is not for Well, kids. we went from zero to 60. Yeah. We did. Yep. We went from like a paragraph in the first book to not that much more in the second Dude, book. Dude, when you look back at the first book, at the spice, it's not spice. Mm-mm. It's like salt and pepper. Yeah. It's like ridiculous how bad their sex was compared to Nesta and Cassian. Yeah. Who are just... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I just really like their energy together. Yeah, and it's fine. I don't mind reading all of it, Mm-mm. which is a good... It's a testament to how well she's established those characters, that it's such a completely different book, and you go, for, you're willing to go for it. It's fine, because mm-hmm. they're different characters. They do different stuff. Yeah. They're and, far more sexual than the other characters. And it will be a very different book. Like, we probably will get another one of these, and it will it pro- probably be Elaine's story, and it'll be okay if... It looks completely different for her. At this point, I'm not sure if I want to see Elaine. <laughs> I don't know if I. I don't know if I want to. Like, I don't. We got a, almost a little glimpse. Maybe it'll of be it. Azrael's story, and it'll be really different. That would be hope. I hopefully because we got a small glimpse of like maybe Azrael and Elaine are going to get together right. in that deleted chapter, and I was like, I'm mildly uncomfortable with this because we've set up Elaine to. Although we, she did get a little bit, just like a touch of character development in this book but she's a touch so, of tude. she got a touch of tude. A t- but we should we've established her as so much of a like reserved flowery flower innocent good little girl good should be shielded from like i've chosen a simple life character that if i have to see her with like <laughs> if someone describes seed running down her leg i don't know <laughs> if i'm gonna be able to handle uh, it. <laughs> no the best part about that is like how much they enjoy it yeah like that's actually not the fun part but okay <laughs> like, i love that you love it and that really shows that what how is much it you guys you like fucking each other? half a liter it's just every it's just, single time it's like like running she's like, like i a love waterfall. to marinate in your seed yeah it makes me feel i mean yeah hey to each their own and that but 
That is sounds like it's a lot, apparently. A very real thing for some people. That way that they connect physically. It's a lot. <laughs> she does. <laughs> and he's the I love the part where he's There's like, like, it's so beautiful. And she's like, what? And he's like, Your he's sex. He's just looking at her, her like, ball, like, like, There's a lot of glistening. Uh, there's a lot of descriptions of like they're the, shiny and the wet glisten. and moist. Yeah. Yes. And like so we had to bring in that little bit of we had to talk about somebody's vulva. Yeah. Or, or was this going to be our podcast? Yeah. No. Oh, right. <laughs> they were so going to be like, just not Rachel and Kate. Gl- they're imposters. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're just talking about the word glistening and how yeah. often it shows up. They are very focused on the like exchange of fluid. Fluid. Yeah. In this and in a very real way, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't want to say too much. Yeah, but it, it I mean that's that's all real life shit. That's yeah. real life shit. That is. That's their- how you know when somebody really likes you because they are like, oh, look at your glisten. Let me taste that. Let me see what it looks. You know, it's is like, it? okay. I mean, you know what? At every every sexual relationship that brings both partners pleasure is valid. Correct. And I am happy that they have found this valid, mutually pleasurable sexual experience. Right. However, it relates to my own feelings on sexual experience. Doesn't matter because it's not my sexual yeah. experience. Well, they're yeah. I yeah. mean, a lot of the stuff that they were happening with it rang very true for me. So yeah. I was like And I love that Nesta had time to explore what she liked before she was with Another thing, I think we should, you know, we're going on two hours right now, and, like, I think we should wrap it up, but I think it's a really great thing to say that one of the things Sarah J. Mass did really, really well is not slut-shame anybody, Yeah, and every female got to experience different men, yeah, people, partners. In many ways, Cassie and Nesta's relationship is stronger because she was already sexually experienced right because she knew exactly what she wanted him to do and she was not afraid to tell him and and she wasn't afraid to bullshit him either like there's a whole scene where she like shamed him because he like basically came in his pants yes (laughs) she's like a little quick off the mark yeah (laughs) he's like and he's like damn and he didn't feel so much shame that he couldn't perform he's like oh i gotta do better yeah and this is a lesson for any male out there Just always try and do better. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Right. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to have your feelings hurt. Have less ego. Go a little high frequency and do better. Yeah. Because there's this guy on Instagram that I follow who I think is freaking brilliant. I can't think of his name. But it was, I I read his stuff almost every day. And today it was, sex is a practice. You You aren't born great at sex and sex is about it's a practice just like yoga you start off a beginner and you get better and some of us get to have more of it than others some of us don't have that much of it some of us have dry spells for a really long time not talking about myself and (laughs) then you know we get to go hard yeah (laughs) no pun intended intended. (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) this is a good punny episode (laughs) you know and it's a practice. Yeah. So it's like I said. You can always do better. The last podcast, it's a physical experiential thing like riding a bike or roller skates. Exactly. You don't put roller skates on and immediately could go compete. 
And what's what really boils down to, and I think what I really love about Nesta and Cassian is that they both have the same kinks. Yes. They like it the same way. Right. And so much of it has to do with their love, chemistry, and connection with each other. Yeah. It's almost like their sexual appetite and their kinks are based on the other person's enjoyment. And it yes. just feels really healthy yeah. and physical and hot. And yeah. like there is no point besides the listening to Steena Nielsen do the male <laughs> like besides that, nothing yeah. about it is super cringy. No. But she does do a lot of the stuff that you said that you're not super a fan of. Like a lot of cock. A lot of cock. A lot of pussy. Cunt. Nesta makes the this I wanted to put mess Nesta makes the distinction between fucking and making love. And goes back and forth. Yes. And she how goes, sometimes fucking turns into making love and sometimes making love turns, turns into, into fucking. fucking. But yeah. And then she yeah. goes to say. That's exactly how I feel about it. Yeah. There is and fucking and there is making love. And, and there's a language I want with my fucking and there's a language I want with my making love. Yes. And there's a tone and a gentleness yes. and another thing. And, you know, like they do such a good job of kind of walking on all of touching base on all of those different ways of enjoying another human. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was, I think she does a really great job. So what did she say about, she's like, oh, she's like making love is for the mornings and the night. And yeah. <laughs> and fucking like, is for like lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like lunchtime and like, like snack quick, time. Quick moments in yeah. between whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, I, I don't know this book, she's really doing a great job. So, this is probably her eight plus five, thirteenth book, Crescent City, two more. So she's at like fifteen now. She's settled in. She's I doing think, a good job. And she yeah. thinks she's only gonna get better. And I love her as an author and I'm really, really grateful that we got to do this together when you said that you wanted to do this. I this has been so much fun and I just love it. Thank you so much. For I'm glad we because otherwise I wouldn't have read all the way through to Silver Flames. So I'm glad we did. And it. maybe you just need a little accountability to probably. And you would have missed the best book. I know. So maybe and I'm aware of the problematic relationship that I have with series, and so I'm glad I get that little bit of like. And I'm the opposite of that. I will one. binge through something, and I like to complete the whole thing. So maybe that can balance. We I can offer you some balance in that regard, and we can. But it is exhausting to think about yeah. how long certain stories are. Well, and you shouldn't have to sit with characters for... Actually, I don't know. I don't know. Because when I read something and I, I, I like it, I just want to do it all. Yeah. I, I think I did all of the Throne of Glass books in like two months. The bullshit battle sequence at the end of Wings and Ruin would have been it. I probably would have just dropped it. Yeah. All the like ups and downs where yep. we were like this oh we're about to lose oh no new somebody came in oh we're about to lose oh no here's these characters we've never even talked yep. about before and now they're here well something that is great about these stories is that they change a lot like book one and book two very very different yeah like we switch a love interest we get to meet Rosand. Uh, when i think about like you know wheel of time one there's no smut but two is it really 14 books of the same people? Yeah. Complaining complaining thing? about the same bullshit the entire time. 
Perrin's the one that gets me. Books. Yeah. Fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Perrin's the one that gets me. Have you read any of the books? I've read the first two. So Perrin in the books. So Wheel of Time and the second one. Yeah. Perrin's my favorite character. He's the one who can talk to wolves. Right. Isn't he a wolf? Isn't he a wolf? I mean, he's he's like a wolf, whatever. He's like part wolf. It doesn't anyway, he can talk to he's wolves. He's a wolf talker. He's a wolf what wolf whatever. Anyway, um in the books, he's just all mad about it. For no real no really no reason. He's, he's just sulky. like oh, I'm so sad I can talk to wolves and shit. This sucks. <laughs> I can dreamwalk. Oh my god. It's just it yeah. makes no sense. Oh, I have superpowers. Well, god damn it, I don't want superpowers. Yeah, that yeah. makes me different. But whatever. It doesn't make sense. They fixed it in the television show, which I was so happy. The television show for me fixed so much of the stuff so you that liked I found problematic. The show. I liked the first I liked here's where I need to finish it because I got to the episode where they really needed everybody to get together. They didn't have a lot of time to work with. And at this point in the books, they've been following the book and everybody's split up and we have to get them all back together. Yeah. And so they literally just had like everybody just walked into the same room. Yeah. And they were like, oh, yeah, I found her wandering in the garden. And that guy was outside. And I don't know where that dude came from. He just walked into the room. But, hey, we're all together again, aren't you? Isn't this great? And I was like, well, that was a real lackluster episode. And I didn't finish it. But um, Perrin, in the television show, spoiler alert, kills his wife. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. Well, for for the listener. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Kills his wife. I forgot. This so he has a, conversation a complicated them. relationship with violence and what violence makes him do. Like the right. person he becomes when he gives into that part of his nature. And so it makes so much fucking sense that he is angry and scared of his own connection to that like wild primal side that of himself. That didn't happen in the books. Yeah. Because in the books, he's just, they're all kids. They're all yeah. like the same age. They're all like teenagers. And it makes no sense that he's angry about it. And that he's angry about it for like 13 books. Wow. He never gets over it until like far, far down the yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they fixed it in the television show, which I was really excited about. But anyway, in the interest of wrapping this up sometime before two and a half hours, uh-huh. we're going to do the Murderbot series next. Next. Yep. I I'm, have them all. I'm going to look up the author's name because I should put that in there. Yeah. Martha Wells. And the first book is All Systems Red. Yep. Yeah, it's huge. The The last one is actually a book book, and it's excellent. Um, but if we just do the, we can just break down that. Unless you want to do two, two, and two. Let's do that. So let's do all systems read and artificial condition. And then we'll do rogue protocol exit strategy. And then network effect and fugitive telemetry. Book six is another novella, and it's quite short. So we're doing, so what do I need to have read by next week? Book all one and two. All systems read and. Artificial condition. Got it. Cool. And it's excellent. And it's the exact opposite of what we've just been reading because there is no sex. In fact, Murderbot Are we is gonna like it? actively against the idea of sexual relations. Yeah, I'm excited. She's so good that I think we'll make it through it. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to get a third mic. We're going to have guests. We're going to have guests. But that, stay tuned. You can find out about that on our Instagram. Yeah. Strange and Beautiful Book Club, which everybody should follow. Everybody. All four of you. <laughs> and we're also on Patreon, if you want to join oh, the Patreon. Oh, yeah, I should Patreon, too, just to donate to the cause. <laughs> I'm going to do the $100 a month. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> and my subscription gets feed. you access to the Discord. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll have to, I'm going to learn more about that too. All but the first tier. The first tier doesn't, it just gets you like street cred clout, as the youths say. Um, but every other tier gets you access to the Discord server, plus cool. some other perks. You'll have to tell me more about Discord. But all those links are in our website, which is strangeandbeautiful.club. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. And you can email us. Dot club. Is that a thing? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they opened it up. It can be anything. Dot whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. When did that happen? A while back. I can't remember. I don't know about internet. I don't know about internets. Yeah, Matt does internets stuff. He does internet. So, so it could be like that up. real estate dot Kate. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my God, the world has just become my oyster. <laughs> But you can also go to strangeandbeautiful.club if you want to check it out. It does work. Type yeah, it in. okay. And you can email me at rachel at strangeandbeautiful.club. At email, gmail.com? No, at strangeandbeautiful.club. Oh, my God. Yes, and you can rachel email Matt. at strangeandbeautiful.club? Yeah, or Matt at matt at strangeandbeautiful.club. Matt at strangeandbeautiful.club? Yeah. I'm just going to send you all random emails. No, and you can also submit stuff on the submission form. There's a link to that on the website, too. Holy cow, you guys have been busy. Thank you for like for vamping with me about the uh what <laughs> promotional stuff. Oh yeah, end. duh. You're like, oh my god, this is amazing. I'm not joking either. This is actually an authentic response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really. I don't think I've done it at the end of a books with Kate episode. I don't think you have either. I try to do it at the end of the other one. I don't know. I never listened to all the filler stuff on other podcasts, so it's hard for me to remember all the stuff I'm supposed to include. I don't know. Follow the Instagram and there's a link tree at the top. If you click on that, and you can get to all the links. Yeah, yeah. Just do that. that makes sense. You're doing a really good job at Girl, Instagram, by the way. I'm really you. proud of you. Thank As you. As someone who's not typically social media, I don't do Instagram. <laughs> I think you're doing I'm great. Doing I so love hard. the funny jokes that you've been posting about this stuff. It's Thank great. you. Thank Hopefully, you. we can I'm find some my, murder my, bot means. My New Year goal is to try to figure out reels. Oh yeah, I know. How that works. I can help you with that. I know reels. I know reels. I can help you with that. I got to do that. Con- I got to do content stuff for my job, too. Oh, I'm okay. a realtor. I don't know if y'all know that. Yeah, you mentioned it before. I mention it every show because <laughs> that's what you do. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm Rachel. And I'm Kate, a realtor <laughs> who likes fairy porn. Don't tell. Don't tell my clients. Or do. Maybe it would help. <sighs> Just have a shirt where I like fairy fairy porn. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah's a realtor too, though. Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. It'll be so funny. Right. Anyways, thank you so much for having me. Thank this has you. been a blast. I'm excited. We hope you keep listening. Okay, bye. bye. See you next time.
kept her feet on the ground. Fuck! 